How's about we write some more stories? How's about we tell some more tales? Gather round the fire, maybe read for just a while, and we'll listen to the stories unveiled. Oh, we'll see if we succeeded writing stories no one needed from suggestions that you shared. Hello, and welcome back to the campfire. My name is Colby McHugh, and I'm your host, your compass that hopefully always points in the direction of good storytelling, because that is what S'more Stories is all about. It's a never-ending journey that we're on together, trying to figure out what makes a story great, and sometimes even writing them ourselves. Other times, our guests are busy launching their first ever podcast, <laughs> and, you know, they don't have time to write, which is awesome. I love that. And I still want to talk to these incredibly talented and busy guests regardless. And this highly anticipated guest was kind enough to grant us some time to chat. Someone who I have tons of respect for as an artist, which we will definitely get into during this conversation, and someone whose creative skills touch on so many different points from music to design to tabletop role-playing and, of course, now podcasting. A true multi-hyphenate. So please welcome to the S'more Stories Campfire, Mr. Evan Bivens. Hello, sir. Hello. Wow. I mean, I, I, you, you stupefied me. Thank you so much for having me. And wow, that. Thank you. The the added sound of applause is, is a nice surprise, right? It really, it was. Yeah, it, it, you took me back. To be fair, though, it is deserved. Starting a new podcast is a fun venture. Yeah. Something that I'm very excited to learn more about. Um, but we'll touch on a lot of different stuff sure. throughout this conversation, specifically how we got to know each other, yeah. how we, how you have come to be in the S'more Stories studio that is also my kitchen yeah. currently. Um, glad you're here. Um, but I think we, and we, we had a good conversation before we started recording. Um, and I think the best place to start, like with many of my guests, let's hop in the time machine. Let's go. Let's head back. Okay. How far? What was the day of your birth like? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it was shocking. <laughs> Painful. <laughs> please, please no, please no. Uh, no, of course. Uh, I think childhood is such an important, uh, for, for our formative years, especially when it comes to creativity and art and just the things that we are into. And I think uh, in your experience uh, growing up when you did with the people that you did, uh, I'm so curious kind of how your... Uh, your passions and your the things that you're into as a kid kind of influenced you as an adult specifically yeah, yeah starting kind of in the 80s when you're growing up the 80s man god don't you miss them <laughs> i was born in 1991 oh wow but i i do miss them you miss them in anyway fact, i miss them physically and literally yes you missed you missed them yes. <laughs> um the 80s were, were gosh it was a time i was born way back in 74 Whew. so the 80s were like my prime time and um matt and i grew up in in the kind of a weird we should say matt is your older brother uh, yes thank you matthew McNabb bivens <clears throat> my older brother he's only a couple years older and we grew up in a part of town that was like downtown Winston-Salem, mm -hmm. North Carolina. And uh, uh, there, there just weren't a lot of people around. They were trying to – it was pretty desolate. There weren't – you know, the downtown had kind of burned out. The, the, the tobacco factories were no longer really in use <laughs> sure. up the street. And so there just wasn't a lot around, um, not a lot of kids to play with. 
So it was really just Matt and me. And um, uh, imagination was kind of our thing. That's that's, a, that's a, the best escape there is, yeah. is our own heads. Yeah. Our parents didn't, they weren't, they didn't want to give us video games. They, we didn't, you know, we didn't have cable TV. We didn't have any of that. We only had one TV that my dad <laughs> turned up really loud because his hearing was really bad. Sure. <laughs> and, you know, that was just to watch the nightly news. Of course. So, uh, yeah, you know, our, our mom is an actor. Okay. So, Interesting. Yeah. So play acting was a thing. We when, we when we were really little, we would do magic shows. Uh, one of her mentors was a, a former professional magician uh, in England. He was kind of famous. That's awesome. Yeah. He And, and acting teacher. In fact, he taught um, Tom Baker was one of his students. Wow. Um, for those of you out there who doesn't know, if you don't know who Tom Baker is, go, you do, you do actually know who Tom Baker is. He's the, <laughs> the fourth doctor. Turns out you do in fact know. Yeah. Um, David Bowie was one of his students. Anyway. Oh my God. I, I, yeah. Just like an amazing person. And yeah. he, he gave Matt and I our first kind of magic tricks and taught us stuff and inspired us. So we just did things like that. The performing has always been there for you. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. We've always, and we, we literally grew up on stage with our mom. It's she, in your blood. Yeah. She would take us backstage at, uh, she went to uh, grad school at Wake Forest. So we would go to Wake all the time, sure. uh, you know, while she was in classes or teaching or directing or acting or whatever. Um, it shows that she was in. We just kind of grew up around all of that stuff. And I, I suppose that's probably where things got started. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it sounds like since you, <clears throat> since performing was such a big part of your childhood, that it makes sense that storytelling would also be a part of that. Yeah. And so you mentioned before we started recording, the, the first DM you ever had was your brother. Oh, yeah. Which is incredible. Yeah. <laughs> I it mean, was <laughs> in the moment. I'm sure maybe it wasn't. I'm sure you maybe maybe you guys fought, but well, no, actually, I mean, we were little. We were. I was. I mean, I I was probably ten, and so I mean that might be a little bit younger than some kids pick it up. And I I wouldn't have had it not been for Matt. I don't even know how he found out about it to be honest, because back in those days. You didn't see commercials for D&D on your TV. You didn't just Google it? Exactly. There's no, I mean, how how would you find out? I, I will have to ask Matt how he actually, maybe it was Dragon Magazine, probably. Ooh, we'll get him on the podcast. We'll find out. I'll, I'll interrogate him. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, but and Matt loved to read. I did not like to read as a kid. I love to read now, but sure. I think, you know, as a kid, comics, yes, books, boo. <laughs> and we're, so, we're comics guys. We'll get into that later. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Matt was already like primed to read all of that, become fascinated, wants to be a DM. Mm -hmm. And, but like I said, we lived on a street where the, we didn't really have friends. So it was just him and me <laughs> and our like, we didn't have minis and this is kind of before the days of minis. Sure. Now, not everybody has minis and it's kind of baked into the game. But, uh, back then it was more theater of the mind. All theater of the mind. Unless you had your G.I. Joe's. <laughs> yes. In which case. <laughs> then you got something. Something as, as a visual. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we broke out our, our Joe's and, and that's what we would use. Um, yeah. Do you remember the first character you ever played? Um, yes. I don't remember his name. Sure. He was a paladin. Okay. Because as a little kid, I had, and I think to a certain extent, I still kind of have these feelings of like when you create a character, creating the character who's going to make the the evil choices like the the or the morally uh suspect mm -hmm. choices 
felt so uncomfortable for me. It feels wrong. It feels wrong. You feel guilty almost. <laughs> exactly. You really do. Yeah. You really do. And so I, I, I chose a paladin because I, I thought, okay, I'm going to be a guy on the straight and narrow. Sure. And um, and that was that was my first. And I think, I don't know how familiar you are with Dragonlance. But only vaguely, but I would love to to learn oh, learn more about it. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, it's so good. The books, the books. I, I'd say the writing of the books is sometimes a little. And sorry to the writers, Margaret Weiss and uh, their listeners. The they, we apologize. That yeah. it's fine. Yeah, we're sorry. <laughs> sometimes the the writing is a little clunky, but the world building is so amazing. Sure. Um, and we were captivated. We were just captivated by it. It's so well thought out it's yeah. such a freaking cool world so i think strangely because you with dragon lance you kind of want to play the heroes of the lance they come with the characters in the books you can okay. play all those characters gotcha right? gotcha but we didn't do that <laughs> why would you do that? of course not no we made our rules own are made to be broken <laughs> yeah so we did that and um that was my that was really my introduction to D D was dragon lance yeah that was D D for me did you mentioned just the act of like thinking about creating a character that was bad made you feel bad yeah did the act of playing dungeons dragons or Dragonlance like in the 80s also make you feel bad because of everything else and <laughs> the culture yes <laughs> <laughs> like that's the prime satanic panic years and and i while as well noted in this podcast uh i was born in 1991 but my parents were very much a big <laughs> proponent of the satanic panic. And so mm. I dealt with a lot of it growing up. Yeah. Like I wasn't allowed to read Harry Potter oh, as wow. a kid. Really? Because of that stuff. And so I got kind of the the blowback. God, that's so funny it. when you think about how innocent Harry Potter is. Exactly. Know? It's like right. the worst thing that happens is, well, we don't want to give spoilers to people, but. It's a, it's a, it's an old property. I think it's spoilers an, are okay. Yeah. I mean, for me, it was like when, when uh, Hedwig dies. It's like, yeah. that's the worst. It's There's terrible. nothing worse in those books than that. Um, that's so funny. Uh, we are, we did not grow up in a religious household. There you go. That's probably it. So, yeah. so my, I don't, but my mom is the kind of, <laughs> my mom is the kind of person who, uh, she probably was aware of satanic panic. She sure. was probably worried deeply about us becoming disciples of Satan. Um, but, but didn't want to say anything to us. So <laughs> she didn't want to discourage us. Polite of being, her. Yeah. I don't think she wanted to discourage us, you know, using our imaginations, especially as an actor. And we were, that's D and D is basically, you know, it's, it's, imp it's improv. It's being in a character. It's, you know, it's acting. It's, yeah. Yeah, totally. So I think she was like excited that we were doing those things. Um, Cause you're acting in a, in a way that maybe she didn't expect. Totally. And, and maybe that has some excitement yeah. for it as well. That's awesome. And I think, I mean, I don't, I'm not a parent, but I'm guessing sure. that when you are a parent and you see your kid really into something and really interested and in something that is character building in some way, that, that has to be exciting. However, I'm, I'm guessing that she probably did genuinely worry that we were going to um, become cult members. <laughs> and uh, that worry was warranted, as you are currently a cult member now, obviously. <laughs> yes. Hail <laughs> Satan. <laughs> No, it, it, I, I can totally understand that. And I think it's awesome. I, I, I love it when parents encourage kids to like follow the things that they yeah. are interested in. Yeah. Like it's such a simple thing. As, and I, I'm not a parent either, so I can't speak on parenting. But even as a kid, like my parents were, were supportive of me and my siblings, yeah. you know, to, to pursue the things that we were interested in. And I know not everybody gets that. Yeah. And so it is it is something to, to appreciate yeah. in parents. And it does help influence your future choices down the road because you're like, I've already got a little bit of experience creating characters, you know, 
playing, performing in this game. And, um, and another thing that we mentioned before we started recording is you went to art school as well. So did, <clears throat> did kind of all of that stuff as a kid and also your mom being an artist as well, did that influence you to, to want to go into that world as well? In, into the art world, yeah. yeah well, I, I, you know, I was actually a, a visual artist oh. uh, by study uh, at school, and I, I just liked drawing as a kid. I loved comics and sure. I loved superheroes, and of course, every little kid who, who does wants to draw Spider Man. I do. I had to ask, like, what's what was your go to comic book as a kid? Uh, you know, Spider Man is my number one yeah. hero, but I think the best, the highest quality book that I read as a kid was GI Joe. The Larry Hama oh stuff. Oh my god! Yeah, it was, it's. I mean, it's now people look back on. I think at the time it was people turned their nose up at it. It was like, oh, that's just that's toys, whatever. Mm -hmm. That's stupid. Yeah. Um, but people look back at those now and are like, wow, those were really well done, and they really were well done. Um, I actually saw Larry Hama at uh, Dragon Con a number of years ago, nice. and I felt kind of bad for him because he he was doing a lecture, and he was he said, "I'll give you guys an option. I, I will either talk about." Um, the the Snake Eyes silent issue, which I don't know if you've ever I, it's, picked that it's up. It's iconic. I've not read it, yeah, but I know about it. Okay. Um, so I'll either break that down for you or I'll talk about this new thing that I've been working on and um, and go into that. And nobody cared about his new thing. <laughs> <laughs> I felt so bad for him because you could just tell. He's like, oh, he's talked about this silent issue for so so many times. So I didn't write any dialogue for it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if, if anyone out there doesn't know what that is, uh, the G.I. Joe comic book, uh, it's it was literally an issue with no words. The character Snake Eyes in the comics uh, could not speak. He did not have the use of his voice. And so it was kind of told from the storytelling was as if, I mean, he, wasn't, he could hear. He was not mm. deaf. Sure. But all of the storytelling was visually, was visual. And it was so... So good. I kind of I'm, I will never forget buying that comic and reading it for the first time. It changed my life, which is why everybody in that room was like, "No, no, 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 we're going to talk, talk about, about that. this." Yeah, and that, I I love that, and and that was from an era when like that wasn't a really common thing to try. Yeah. Nowadays, like a lot of comic series will have a silent issue as like a special issue, like, "Hey, look what we did, look what we tried," and and it totally works for a lot of things, but. Back then, specifically, like that was not really. Well, I've never thing. seen anything like that. Yeah, before. that's so cool. And so I can imagine like finding that as a kid, and yeah, that would shift your perspective on yeah. what's possible. Right. Especially as an artist, as a visual artist yourself, you're like, oh, I can just do a whole comic myself with no words. Yeah. That's got to be that's got to be the ultimate freedom. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm trying to remember now. I think he said that it was largely the <laughs> the the reason for it being for not having any dialogue was not because was it a of, timing thing. Yes. Yeah. It had nothing to do with an artistic <laughs> expression and everything to do with how, you know, his schedule and how behind he was. And so he's like, well, forget it. Let's just scrap the dialogue and, uh, and do this and stumbled into something absolutely brilliant. Sometimes limitations can force out some of the coolest stuff. Yeah. Like when you're just doing what you're given and, and making something happen with yeah. a deadline or with the limited time that you have, and yeah, it kind of forces creativity, yeah. which is so exciting. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> what did you wind up studying in in school, in art school? Uh, I was a drawing major. Straight up drawing. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Uh, and I had the best teacher on earth. Um, his name was uh, Clyde Fowler. He was the director of the visual arts program cool. at the School of the Arts. And he's now, sadly, he passed away a few, a few years ago. But 
one of those teachers and hopefully hopefully everybody in their life has a teacher like that who just yeah. shapes you and he was certainly that for me and just and everybody in this you know every student that he taught uh was just he changed their lives somebody who like somebody from a position of authority who can encourage students yeah. is like such an important concept mm. um and I, the reason i <clears throat> am so curious about your <clears throat> your kind of art school days is um, a few years ago, I worked at the big art school here in Atlanta, yeah. uh, SCAD, Savannah College of Art and Design, um, the Atlanta campus. And it's such a specific environment. Yeah. And obviously this is like a, in you know, 2022 when I was working there is a different time period than when you were in school. But the, I imagine being surrounded by people that are into the same stuff that you're into and kind of your, your, you know, your people essentially, mm-hmm. like the nerds that are into comics yeah. and drawing and fantasy and stuff like that had to have shaped so much of you. Oh yeah. In that world. In a big way. I, you know, at, at regular high school, I actually went there for high school. Whoa. <clears throat> yeah. I, I had, uh, I would, I guess I'd done my freshman year at Reynolds, Reynolds high school, man. <laughs> um, and in Winston and, uh, you know, it was high school. It was a good high school. I, I, I had a, you know, I had a, me and my nerdy friends, Matt and I were starting to grow apart. We were just far enough in age where sure. like he had to have his friends and I wasn't cool anymore. <laughs> yeah. We all go through that phase. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's okay. We came back together later, but mm-hmm. uh, I had my friends. We played D&D together. Um, and so life wasn't bad sure. at regular high school, but I did love drawing and I, I was getting more interested in that. And I took a summer session at the School of the Arts. Mm-hmm. And that's when I was like, wow, oh, this could be a real thing you know, you can go here for high school. So I, I submitted a portfolio and I got in, but nice. I had to go back for my sophomore year at regular high school oh. and spend a year <laughs> there. Uh, and then I could only, the earliest I could go was as, as a junior. Gotcha. And so I, anyway, I went, I went to art school and at, at regular high school, I was a, a, a nerd. Sure. You know, I got picked on and just like every other nerd. And, <laughs> um, you know, I didn't had the friends that I had, I really loved and was close with, but I didn't have a lot of those. So I was excited uh, about s- something new, something different. And uh, North Carolina School of the Arts is, is an interesting place because it's not just an, uh, a visual arts school, uh, like where I went to college mm-hmm. at the Maryland Institute. Um, it's uh, drama, music, a little bit of everything, dance, gotcha. uh, all of the performing arts all of the visual arts design and production. And then after I left, there was a film school and all kinds of stuff. So cool. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of an amazing place. And all of a sudden, even though I'd gr- grown up around the theater, I was surrounded by people my age and older. Not necessarily your parents and your parents' age. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, with a very diverse set of interests and skills and things that they were learning and they were into and really nerdy about. Mm-hmm. And we were all freaks and geeks. It wasn't just... I wasn't just the freak in the room. It was everybody. Anymore. Yeah. Everyone was a freak and nobody judged you for your brand of weirdness. Right. It's That's gotta like, be so nice. It's like, I think it's why I like going to Dragon Con and Gen Con and Heroes Con is that everyone there, you've all got your, you've got your flavor of, <laughs> of nerd <laughs> yes. and you're not there to judge someone else's. You're just accepting of that. And, it reminds me of those those early days at art school. Sure, that's that's a very interesting uh, concept, and it totally makes sense. I love conventions too, for for what I imagine to be the same reason, where it's like everybody's just, everybody's there to have a good time. Mm-hmm. 
uh, at least at the ones that we go to. Like we're big heroes guys, I, heroes con guys. I've not been to Dragon Con yet. Oh man, I know it feels crazy. I've been got, in Atlanta for so long. To. It's just big and intimidating. Yeah, but I, but you're right. Like even, <clears throat> I know that when I do go, I'm gonna have a great time. I yeah. love watching people be in their element. Yeah, like seeing a great cosplay or talking to some you know artist selling stuff at a table. Like I love all. Of it. Yeah, it's so fun. And so I can imagine. Yeah, there's a lot of parallels with that and like being in school and yeah. like having class with these types of people yeah. and like learning from them and yeah um yeah that's so fascinating yeah matt also did he go to yeah. art school as well the same one yeah yeah but for music interesting yeah he played clarinet so he was classically trained clarinetist and we we haven't even mentioned you are a drummer you are an I'm incredibly drummer. talented drummer uh, thanks uh, have, <laughs> have been playing drums for many many years yeah was this where you started playing or were you, no. were you playing in earlier like in high school no, I, I I didn't play music at all until I mean around this time, around right before I went to uh, to Baltimore to the Maryland Institute, um, I just started to get interested. I was living with Matt actually, mm. and his, he had an apartment with his friends, nice. um, Christopher, who was our across the street neighbor as a kid. He uh, he was this Irish kid who had moved to the states when he was eight, Whoa. moved right across the street from us. Um, kind of a punk, like a young, tough Irish kid. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, and we became we we became friends. He and Matt were the same age, so they were sure. very close. Yeah. Um, he joined a cult later in life. <laughs> well, if we get there, we'll we'll, we'll go into that. Of course, but, sure. <laughs> um, but so Christopher and Matt, um, they both ended up. They both played music. Christopher played classic guitar. Uh, Matt clarinet. They both went to the School of the Arts. Mm. That's where they met this guy Jay Clifford, um, and. Um, uh, a drummer, John Wilson. We just all kind of became friends, and I sure. was, you know, I was scrappy do, just kind of like the the kid brother, the, yeah, the younger brother hanging yeah. around. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> that that is my that was my role for. Yeah, you first, get it. The first thirty or so years of my life, you get it. You get it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, they became really interested in. Well, I should I should say Christopher became very interested in traditional Irish music. Interesting. And was getting bored with classical music and just the you know the. Well, I don't really know his reasons. I mean, there's, there's, I don't, I'm not going to uh, poop on classical music and why it should be or shouldn't, isn't interesting. But Christopher right. was just more excited about like just the like Celtic music. Yeah. And all that it stuff. felt like rock and roll to him. Sure. And so he and Matt, and, and Matt was the same. And they were just kind of getting bored with, you know, the stuffiness of art school. So they started learning Irish music. And um, I started to get interested then because, yeah. you know, I was into whatever my older brother was into. Of course, yes. And so the Bothy band, if you're not. Oh my God, yes. Yeah. And then, I, I, I should say, I love Irish music also. Oh, cool. Like, okay. I, me, that was one of the few things that me and my dad really bonded over really? <laughs> as kids. Like, we, we went to go see Riverdance a bunch of times, which is obviously like, not traditional. Yeah, it's a little gussied up. But like, I love the the concept of. I love listening to like Bothy Band and like yeah. stuff like that. So yeah. I'm excited already. This oh, cool, amazing. Yeah, I mean, they were like you know Led Zeppelin yeah. of of Irish music, and I thought that was super cool. Um, Donal Lunny was in that band. Yeah. Um, and uh, I lo- I really I became uh, the more I listened to it, I was like, what is that drum he's playing? It's uh, called the Bauron or the Boron, depending on is where it you're the, from. The handheld one, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just so a frame drum, and you, it's got a crossbar in the back, and you have this thing called a tipper, and you hold it kind of in the middle, and you do this kind of backward. It's, you don't you don't hold it like a drumstick for a drum set. Yeah, it's it played differently, and you have it on your lap, or I guess you can play it standing up, but you can adjust the tone of it with your hand mm. on the back of the skin. 
That's fascinating. Anyways, um, oh man, don't don't get me down a drumming <laughs> rabbit hole. We, we won't come out. Um, but that that was the first time I was like, wow, that sounds cool. I'm going to get one of those and see if I could play. Um, my dad. Where loved, do you find one of those in North Carolina? <laughs> we had, uh, I think we had to order one <laughs> from sense. from like a folk, yeah. some kind of folk shop. <laughs> sure. Um, uh, I think actually, I think Christopher had one. I think he he had ordered one for himself. And I picked it up. And that's where I found one. And then I Hell got yeah. my own later. Um, but that was my first instrument was the Bowron. And then and then I decided to pick up, of all weird instruments, the hammered dulcimer. Whoa. Yeah. That I mean, is I, so specific. That's so specific. But what, what genuinely one of the coolest sounds. It is, is a very beautiful sound. It's so interesting. It's If you're going to play trad Irish music, don't get a hammered dulcimer. Don't. Okay. I mean. You heard it here first. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you want to be cool, if you want to go to a session at a, in a pub or whatever, and you roll up with your hammered dulcimer, <laughs> you're going to get a lot of side eye from Because that's like a big thing too. Like it's it's kind of bulky. It's bulky. It's not a traditional <laughs> instrument. And, you know, if you don't have a guitar or a, or a bazooki, or, which is also not a traditional sure. Irish instrument, but people play it in there now, or a flute or a violin, like, no, just stay away. Um, I mean, pro it can be problematic because you cannot dampen the overtones. Gotcha. So it just it becomes very washy, and when you're just rocking on some jigs and reels, it, it just people are just like, "Man, come on!" Like, what is going on? Yeah. But I I love that you were drawn to that in the first place. Isn't Either that weird? way, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> so just weird. Like, I feel like it says a lot about you as a person. And I can't quite figure out what it is yet. I don't know. I haven't been able to figure it out either. <laughs> one day, one day we will. One day, and then, and then, and then. The Irish band became a rock band. Sure. We decided Christopher joined the cult. <laughs> uh, it happens. It happens. Um, to the best of us. He's still in the cult. Oh, he is. To this day, yeah. I, I, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I hope he's happy. <laughs> I hope he is too. I think it ultimately probably, uh, I, this is a long story. So I'll, I'll sure. just dip into this for okay. a tiny amount of time. And we won't spend a lot of time here. But um, this was in Boston. We had moved from, from Winston uh, slash Charleston, South mm -hmm. Carolina, to Boston to play, be around more Irish music. Yeah, uh, Christopher had gotten there before the rest of us to find, like, kind of get our apartment settled down. And he was busking in the subway, and these people approached him. It's like, hey, we play Irish music too. Um, come up to our house, and so he did. Okay, <laughs> and they're uh, they're called the Community. Um, that sounds I, that sounds like an evil thing already. Well, yeah, <laughs> based on like any pop culture. Cult. Uh, it is. It is. They are. They technically. I think the the technical name for the entire community cult is called the Twelve Tribes, and they have sure. they have encampments all over the world. Twelve of them. Sure. And um, founded by a, a a like a carny barker from Tennessee. <laughs> what? Years ago, he's dead now. I'm pretty sure. Oh my god! And but they they technically are they 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 try to interpret the Bible as literally as possible. Oh, that's not. A, not I, I've read many parts of the Bible. That's not that's a safe. Tough. That's not a great thing to do. That's a tough. <laughs> that's tough to probably stick to. They it, they are they do they they are adamantly not Christian. Interesting. But they do follow the you know, to try to interpret that. So as much as um, I can, yeah. yeah. So, but they, you, once you enter this community, you, I think you're eventually you change your name to a Hebrew name. Oh, and Christopher, I think his name is Lev Cole, Cole Lev. Is that his name now? I can't, I haven't spoken to him in years. Whoa. Anyways, uh, it was, it was a very formative time for us. Sure. Uh, you know, especially for Matt, uh, he lost his best friend to a cult. We actually spent a lot of time 
at the community to figure out like, okay, is this like the Moonies? Right. Is this Jim Jones? Is he, is he like, is it safe? Exactly. Yeah. Like, do we need to have an intervention? And ultimately we, we came to the conclusion that, um, this was a choice that he could make and he was not in physical danger. Um, we were not happy with it. Sure. It kind of throws a wrench in, in your guys' plans. Yeah. To a certain and, extent. Oh yeah. To a huge extent. Yeah. And, but it was, in, in a lot of ways, I think Christopher, he was, you know, kind of a mad Irish kid who was diabetic. Um, and you're speaking to a fellow diabetic here. Okay. Wow. He, and he was, you know, I have, I immediately have more sympathy for him. Yeah. And he was just wild. He was drinking more than you should. Mm. And, you know, and also he, I think he'd had a couple of uncles back in Ireland who were actual Franciscan monks, like fully friar tuck. I met one of them, Larry, Larry, the monk. (laughs) His name was Larry. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Larry actually almost killed me. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. There's so many stories. There's so many stories. Uh, gosh, I, I don't know if I should go into that one, but it, that's- Don't a, feel I, like you have to. The fact that you almost got killed by Larry the Monk, we can just say we that. Just leave it up to it, the mystery. It, it's a great story as it is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he was not homicidal. I'll just say that. Fair it, enough. It was okay. accidental, but yes. <laughs> Better. I, he did almost lead me to my death. Um, so, so, once, so once Christopher joins this cult- where does that leave you guys? Yeah. You're in Boston, yeah. still trying to do this this folk now rock band. Yeah. What like what's the plan then? Uh, yeah, exactly. What, <laughs> like what, what do you do? What do we do now? Why are we here? Right. What what yeah, what is this all about? We ran out of money. We wanted to be a rock band. We didn't know what that being in a rock band meant. Was were you guys at this point Jump Little Children? Yes. Okay, so you guys did have that uh name. I I didn't know where in the timeline that was. So you run out of money. Yeah. What's the next step? Yeah, I, bu- I did buy a drum set. I bought my first drum set. A full set. drum set. Yeah, uh, awesome. a 1963 Rogers Whoa. Holiday. Nice. Um, yeah, I still have it. It's amazing. That's awesome. Uh, they don't make them like those anymore. Longevity. Yeah. Um, I got it in Worcester, Worcester, Mass. From this, oh man, that's a whole other story. The guy who sold it to me was just totally insane. Yeah. He was like, had this 18 piece kit in his living room. Um, he didn't go with the 18 piece kit. <laughs> he wasn't selling that. He wasn't selling that, but he did want me to sit down and just like rock on it. Meanwhile, his kid was asleep in the next room. He's like, ah, he won't hear you. <laughs> that sounds like a Boston guy. It was, it was amazing. Anyway, so I bought my first drum set, started to learn. We started to play around Boston. Eventually we just ran out of money. Sure. And we said, where, what are we going to do? Let's go back down South. And so we went back to Charleston, South Carolina, where we had been, we didn't, none of us were from there. We'd been helping my dad. <laughs> Um, restore a church, mm. uh, St. Michael's uh, Church in uh, downtown Charleston. And we loved it there. And we there was a guy named Johnny Gray who we had met while we were had spent that time there. Mm-hmm. And we thought, wow, Johnny's really cool. And our friend Ward, who we'd gone to school with, who didn't want to go to Boston with us, we're like, well, and Ward, maybe Ward would go to Charleston. I don't know. And we had a, a you know, someone's apartment we could crash at. It was that. That's all it takes sometimes. That was all. I mean, we were kids. We <laughs> yeah. were morons. I wasn't, I mean, I was Were you like 17. You were 17. Yeah. Oh my God. I know. It's stupid. That's wild. That's wild. Especially looking back at myself when I was 17. Like the idea of even moving somewhere else yeah. is so terrifying. I know. So but My parents let me. Yeah. What were they thinking? Which is honestly <laughs> all the props to your parents yeah. for, for like encouraging you guys and, and allowing it at the very least. 
Yeah. To a certain extent. And maybe you guys, maybe you're going to do it anyway. <laughs> well, they were very, we were very lucky in that regard. Sure. They, uh, my dad, I think we lucked out because my dad had had a very overbearing father and mother, but sure. his dad never approved of what my dad did. He was a historic preservationist, Ooh. which most people don't know what, you know, they're like, what does that mean? Uh, including my grandfather. It feels <laughs> stuffy. You know, it wasn't though, not to okay. my dad, nice. not to my dad. It could be to some, but for him, you know, he was in love with everything um, Baroque. He loved Baroque music, architecture. Um, he loved history. He loved, he was a, a rifle maker, um, <laughs> a, like a muzzle loading rifle. <laughs> wow. Um, not, not like an AR-17, but like a, right. the, 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 the rifles he made were works of art more than weapons. I mean, they were both, but sure. um, he was not your average NRA gun toting. There was a passion nuts. there yes. for like the process. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And he was a master at it. So he, he was very familiar with the feeling of like, wow, my dad doesn't want me to do what I want to do. Right. And he was never going to do that to Matt and me. So he didn't, he wasn't the kind of dad who just let us do whatever with zero sure, consequences. Sure, sure. He wasn't like that. But when it came to big decisions, he was always in our corner, even if that meant probably doing something that was scary for him, which was letting us move to a big city. When, when, when you're, you're 17. 17 like an <laughs> <Yeah>. idiot. <laughs> oh, yeah. And so you guys came back down, uh, found Johnny. Yeah. Ward. Convinced Ward to move down. Convinced Ward to join. With. How far is Charleston from like the Winston-Salem area? There's so many cities in North Carolina, but yeah. it's a bigger state than people expect. Yeah. And like it's – I never know kind of the geography of stuff. So like what would it have been a big move for you guys to go from Winston-Salem to Charleston? Obviously, <sighs> you came from Boston to Charleston. but Right. I mean Winston is probably between like five-ish hours away from Charleston. Gotcha. So, you know, Ward – He's a couple years older than me, so it was, you know. Doable. Yeah. It yeah. wasn't it wasn't the biggest deal in the world. Um, in Charleston, especially back then, it just had this vortex. If, you, if you'd ever been there, uh, and I think people still get this, like you just kind of fall in love with it. It's such a great it's city. It's very intoxicating yeah. place filled with kind of magic and mystery and, and, and stuff. But back then it was even weirder. Sure. And like a little bit creepier and and more affordable. Now that's not, the big part. Not so much. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so it wasn't, we didn't have to convince him. We didn't have to, you know, kind of twist his arm too much. Sure. And we, and then we just did what we had, the only thing we knew to do, which was busk on the street and <laughs> like literally like, and then eventually get some gigs and then get better gigs and then get some better gigs. Tell me about the act of busking. Cause it's such a, a fascinating thing to me. I, I'm speaking as somebody who's not a musician, so or even really a performer. Like I don't enjoy being in front of people. No, no, I, I, it's an audio podcast. Sure, like, sure. I, I'm sure. not trying to. I'm not trying to be in front of people. <laughs> but that leads to me, me to be like fascinated with the concept of like performance in general, and I think it's so fascinating. And the idea of busing just on the street, like on the yeah. sidewalk, to people who are maybe not even trying to listen to you no like i'm so curious you, from mostly not yeah mostly not yeah <laughs> like so from from the performer's perspective like what is that like to just like be like i'm just gonna do this and, and then maybe somebody will see maybe somebody will throw a couple dollars at us like yeah. i don't know what the what's the mindset for a a, a busker that's 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 really interesting i i think it's in in maybe folk music certainly in irish music there's a long history of that sure. which is why like where we got the idea from and in Boston, there's a lot of that. In fact, it's very 
there's a lot of rules. I think in New York too, like sure. you have to have a permit, you have to have, you, you can only be within a certain amount of feet of people. In Charleston, there aren't any buskers. To do whatever you want in Charleston. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You do, we did actually have to get a permit. Although I think we, I think we went to Kinko's this is really before we had access to Photoshop <laughs> and we faked it. We faked ourselves. Hell yeah. That is awesome. Fully <laughs> illegally busking on, on Market Street. Um, you gotta do what you gotta do. It is, I think it's better. We were just too dumb to, to, too young to know better. Sure. Um, I, I, if we had thought about it, we would have probably, you know, I think you could get your feelings hurt that people are just walking right by you. I know I would. That's yeah. why I'm, I like, I'm too self-conscious yeah, right. <laughs> to, to be able to do that, I think. But I, I think the, the upside is that you, you do get, you can develop a thick skin about what people think about you. Sure. And um, pretty quickly. And, you know, if you're, if you are good, then all of a sudden a, a crowd starts to kind of form around you and you're completely interrupting traffic. And, and that's gotta be a nice feeling. <laughs> and then, yeah, it's like you very immediately know, are these, that, oh, these people are stopping because they actually like what you're doing. They're not drunk. They're not just there. Yeah. Like they're stopping for you. And to watch and listen to yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's, it's it kind of a really interesting litmus test yeah. of yourself and people that you can do that you can't really do any other way. I mean, it's, it's a very unique thing at yeah. this point. Like even in like modern day, like I don't, th I don't know how much people busk anymore, but it's probably more like they just stream right stuff live right why go all the way down to the corner when i could just stay in my yeah, house why be around <laughs> actual people at yeah. this point cool. but i i also imagine like doing something like that developing that thick skin i imagine it's also like a good bonding experience mm -hmm. because you're doing it together <laughs> like you're not alone you've got this group of people that you're with and especially i imagine having you know your brother there too helps make that just a little bit easier in general or maybe not. <laughs> I know. I only know. Speak from my own experience as like, if my siblings are doing it, that means it's cool. Oh, <laughs> like no, in my sure. in my mind. No, I, I'm totally joking. I, I always very much relied on Matt, both as as inspiration for what you know. I looked to him for what was cool. Sure. But also having family in in all of Jump, we were in the early days. We were very much a family. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a lot easier to do that when there's four or five of you. And you're All out on the, the street, kind of laying it out there. As you know, it's very different if you're just a person with a guitar, and and a you know with your hat on the ground. That's 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 tougher. Yeah, um, that's like true thick skin. <laughs> oh man, yeah that that I've never done, and I don't know that I would have the courage to do that. I, I, so I would not. You know, nobody wants me to do that, and so you're in luck. Uh, it's not going to happen. <laughs> one person wants to do that, wants you to do that, and that person's me. Oh man! Well, I'm sorry to disappoint you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll listen. I'll throw whatever couple dollars I have towards oh, you. Bless, bless your heart. I, I don't have that many. Okay. I don't have that many dollars. Oh, okay, okay. But I, 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 the reason I ask about kind of you know being able to to bond and perform with with a sibling and somebody's in your family, I think obviously that has led directly to where you're at now. Like you guys have started a company, yeah, together called Bivens Brothers. Bivens Brothers, which is it's such a I imagine that's such an exciting opportunity to be able to like obviously perform and and play music for for decades with your with your brother, but then also to like pivot and do something new and something interesting and something that you know hopefully feels uh, like innovative for you guys. Yeah, uh, and I'm 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 curious kind of what that process was like, kind of pivoting towards that. Yeah. And, yeah, because it's a design company, and and so you're right. going back to kind of your 
design, yeah. you know, arts roots. Yeah. Which is super exciting. Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> uh, for a long time, Matt, uh, he, you know, he is my older brother. And when we were little kids, you know, he would, he would be very much an older brother and he would <laughs> beat me up and of course, um, things like that. And, um, but once we were in jump together and we realized, okay, we're going to be around each other all the time. And this is on the outside being in a band doesn't seem like maybe it's a, a lot of work, but the reality is, is it is a lot of work. And so it was, and we took it very seriously as our job. Sure. And so one day I just got sick of Matt older brothering me. And I said, look, <laughs> um, if we're going to do this, you know, I was still pretty young. I was probably 18. Sure. And I was like, if we're going to do this, we're going to have to learn how to be friends first and brothers second. And we committed to that. Your peers at that point. Yeah. And we were, we've always been close, mm -hmm. but, um, that, that changed things for us. We, we really worked hard and, and everybody in that band worked hard to be good friends to each other. Sure. So, um, yeah, when it came time to, we, we left Charleston and uh, moved to Chicago, and I really followed Matt there. He he um, he was really going there. I, mean, I think he wanted to leave um, Charleston, do something different, but he was really moving there because of his future wife. <laughs> That's a big part of it too. And, and he should have because <laughs> you know she's amazing. Yeah. Um, and well, well, well worth the move. Um, I I was a little bit more. Um, floating and sure. I think I was like thir early 30s at the time and um wasn't really sure what was next we had just f closed this show that we had created called Cabaret Kiki which was something that we we had done with some of the coolest people in Charleston is this like a stage performance type thing or like yeah. a band like another band kind of thing? both a little bit of both a little bit of both yeah. it was uh i had this is i'm getting a little, a little off track from bivens brothers but we will uh, we'll come I'll, back to I'll, it. I'll get there yeah. i'll get there um so yeah i i don't remember how and when but i'd become fascinated with cabaret and um like real cabaret not necessarily and that means a lot of different things to different people sure. so for some people that might be um a drag show or it might just mean a singer and a piano in a jazz lounge sure but for me it was it was the roots of it were satire, uh, multimedia, like song, comedy. It's like interesting. Like where vaudeville was born out of. Cool. Like a variety show almost. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And in my mind, uh, it was, it went a little bit further than even just a, a regular variety show, mm -hmm. which would be interesting, but more like I wanted to create a, a, a a Muppet show with human beings instead of Muppets. Oh my God. Yes. It was, so it was very much inspired by that with characters and there were little, it wasn't, it didn't have a story sure. in the way that the, an individual episode of a Muppet show didn't have a, a story per se, but it had a theme and situations know, the and like something it would resolve by the end of the episode. Mm. And so for a few years, we did this thing that um, monthly um, at a really cool place in Charleston called Theater 99. Mm -hmm. And we all had characters. Matt was the MC. I wrote all the music. Matt was the DM. It. He was the DM, <laughs> of course. He was the, yes, the DM of the theater. <laughs> and um, we had, we wrote 
comedy bets. I mean, we're not writers. We weren't comedians. I, I would beg differ. If you're writing, you're a writer. Uh, well, I, I guess that I guess I, I, I was. That's, I am. The, that's the s'more stories uh, rule. I accept. The principle. Okay, great. I accept this. Uh, so we were writing with some with our friends. Um, we lucked into meeting so many amazing people. Um, or do you know who Michael Flynn is? Yeah, from uh, Slow Runner, right? From Slow Runner, great band. Yeah. Um, he was great not, writer as well. Oh my god, one of the best. Yeah, it's. I mean, the fact that he's not a superstar is absolutely For criminal. Real. Yeah, uh, his wife, however, is way cooler than he is. Ooh, shots uh, fired. Shots fired. Well, he would admit it too. Summer, <laughs> Summer is just the coolest. And yeah. Somehow we roped her into helping us write that show, and our good friend Joe. Um, we, I roped my friend, Carrie Ann Hurst um, from shovels and rope from shovels and rope. Oh my God. Another yeah. incredibly talented group. Oh, I roped. People. Yeah. I mean, we just got so lucky. Bill Carson, uh, Nathan Kosey, who is now a music director on Broadway, like all of these people. Um, it was just this kind of a superstar group of folks and we created this really weird thing. Um, and we did it till we exhausted ourselves, um, trying to come up with new material every sure. month. We took some breaks here and there, but honestly one of the most fulfilling things that I'd ever, I've ever worked on. Yeah. And once we got to the end of that and we didn't really know what was going to happen next, jump was now done, had mm -hmm. been done. And, um, Matt was like, I, I think it's time to move. It's time for me to move. And yeah. I was at the age where like, well, if I don't leave Charleston now, probably not going might to be there forever. And not that that would be a bad thing, mm. but I've, I, you know, I, I had never lived in a big city and I figured what the hell, so uh, we moved to Chicago and then immediately we're poor. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. Yeah. And, um, and we've, you know, we, we, I had a job just doing like working at a wine store sure, and you know, whatever. Uh, and we, Matt was like, what, what if we build websites? Like, Cause he, he, he was an early, uh, he, early on he was interested in coding. Interesting. And, yeah. yeah. And like all of the jump stuff and internet things, he was kind of handling all that himself because he was just a big nerd and was into it. Yeah. It's like, so we just decided, okay. Yeah, I'll, that stuff was on the rise in that era too. So he was probably right on the cutting edge of it. Truly, truly. And so we, I dusted off my design skills, which were <laughs> extremely dusty. <laughs> I mean, like rusty, dusty, yep. crusty. And um, and Matt did the same with with his. And we've we that was in two thousand and eight. So this Whoa. was a long time ago. So you guys have had been doing this for a few years. We've been doing it for a while, and we've Hell had yeah. some some side quests over the years. But um, yeah, we've been doing it for a while. And then, but things kind of got supercharged when we met um, Allison. And got ripped her into our evilness. Allison Kendrick, uh, co-host of the ADHD Twenty podcast, former guest of S'more Stories. Yeah. Please go back and listen to her episode. It's so good. She's such a good writer. Uh, I can imagine knowing the little bit that I've gotten to know her. Mm. She has a supercharged type personality. Oh yeah. So it makes sense that it would supercharge whatever she becomes a part of. Hundred <laughs> percent. Truly, truly. Yeah, she's an amazing person and has been. Um, just invaluable for us and 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 just you know re really helped shape everything that we've been doing sure. since then and it's 
Matt and I have a, <laughs> it's hard owning your own business. And, I can only imagine. <laughs> and um, it's not everybody wants to do it. Not everybody should do it. And it certainly can create tension with your spouse potentially from time to time sure. when, when things are not going well. Um, but Matt and I have always just had an issue with authority and we've worked for other people doing mm -hmm. what we do now. And um, sometimes it's been, you know, we've, we've, we've tasted what it's like to have that nice regular paycheck and man, it feels so good. It is. That consistency is nice. Oh God. I feel it's just so, you, you just, <laughs> you can just breathe, you yep. can sleep, you can just sleep at night and not worry. It must be nice. <laughs> but, um, but we, but we have a problem with authority and when we don't respect who we're working for, it's painful. <laughs> And I, I have, like if you know their ideas are bad, you're like, this is stupid. I don't want to do this. Yeah. We actually, we worked at a place, the first place like job, jobby job that we got in Chicago mm -hmm. was for, um, this company called Tate. Oh, it's actually, they were called quiet foundation. Yeah. And, um, I was hired by this guy named Woody Ma, just a genius, uh, took a chance, hired Matt and I for his, his, uh, his shop. Nice. And they were immediately bought out by a larger company. And so all the work that we did was just for this one company, mm -hmm. which wasn't really why we had been, you know, what we didn't know that's what we were getting into. Right. And we were just getting kind of bored. So we went from there to uh, uh, this a friend of ours poached us for a, a nonprofit um, in Evanston. It's got to feel good getting poached. Well, we did like that. And we, we were like, okay, I can get up in the, like helping little kids learn how to read in the morning. Like that, that feels like more than like this That's other got, company was for like helping old white dudes make more money. <laughs> this has some fulfillment a little bit to it. Yes. So we were excited for that. And then we, we did a year and I will not name names, but the, the head guy of that company, I did not have a lot of uh, respect for. Sure. And he, he thought that he was um, the second coming of... Steve Jobs and, oh, no. and the sad, you know, the reality is Steve Jobs wasn't Steve Jobs. Like, no. he, like he was a myth. He had and a lot of stuff going wrong for him. <laughs> this dude was definitely not Steve Jobs and thought he was. And so you just, I was like, you know what? No, no. Matt and I were both like, nope, no mm. thanks. So we went back out on our own and we never turned back. And it, it's, it's challenging. It's so rewarding and it's also kind of slowly evolved <laughs> from just building websites and stuff oh, yeah. to becoming our way to perform again. Because we we found the longer we, you're away from that, the more you miss it. Mm -hmm. I don't miss going out, being out, like packing up my drums touring. at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't miss that at all. But um, but we are our mom's kids very much in that way. Yeah, and so we it never leaves. Yeah. So that it's kind of that's what it's evolving into now. And that's I think that's such an exciting thing now. And and yeah, let's kind of let's kind of pivot from you've you've gone you've gone through the music, you've gone through starting your company with with Matt. And now that company and that group of people, Allison, uh your friend Fitz, uh, has formed into this completely other cool thing that you are starting a podcast for. Yeah. And of course, we're talking about the pocket dimension. Yeah. Which is kind of the the umbrella term for all of the creative stuff that you guys are working on. Exactly. So yeah. like ADHD20, the great podcast that you absolutely, listener, need to go listen to. It's it's fantastic. Allison uh, is the host along with Matt, mm -hmm. uh, Evan's brother. And it's just so good. It, it, their, their thing is it's all about the intersection of tabletop role-playing games and uh, ADHD. Yeah. Right. And kind of how those influence each other. Yeah. Um, and, and even just in m me listening to them talk, 
it has helped me feel like I'm learning about myself. I'm learning yeah. more about, uh, you know, other people's experiences, which is always helpful for mm -hmm. like empathy. And then um, through that, they've started this live stream that they do, I think once a week. And then you've popped up uh, on a few of their things as well. Episodes of the podcast, the live stream, of course. But now you're launching your own podcast. Yeah. Which I'm so excited to find out about because it's influenced by all the things that we've basically talked about. Right. It's performance. It's it's a little bit of writing, I'm assuming. It's D&D. Yeah. &D. Mm -hmm. And so can you give me kind of a rundown? And, and it's not live yet. It's not live. It's not live. It's not live. It's in pre-production right now. It is. So feel free to keep whatever secrets you want to keep sure. secret. Yeah. I'll, I'll have to, I'll, I'll tread lightly lest Fitz. We don't want to incur the wrath of Fitz. Swings the golden axe of mercy on me. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so, well, first of all, I'll say about ADHD 20, regardless of whether you have ADHD or you're into tabletop role-playing games, it, you should check it out because- mm -hmm. Even if you're you don't have ADHD, you probably know someone who does, and you will learn so much. And what yes. what that show really is is an exploration of Matt and Allison discovering their own ADHD, how it shows up in their life, and just trying to understand it. And then wherever they can, they relate it back to like where it does this kind of yeah relate to this thing that we love called D&D &D or whatever. It's anyway. so interesting. I love hearing them talk and it and I I I can't say that I am diagnosed with anything, but like I feel like hearing them talk about it and talk about their own experiences. Yeah. I did too. It just I was I'm like, like, "Oh my god, I must have ADHD." Is there too. something <laughs> like yeah, it gets my it gets my brain working, yeah. which is exciting. And it kind yeah. of lets you think about, okay, if their experience is like this, what is my own experience like? Yeah. And and yeah, I love it. And I'm excited to hear kind of where uh, where your role came out of that? Well, once again, you know, Matt being my older brother, watching he and Allison do this um, was inspiring. And I just thought, wow, that's so cool that they 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 just set their mind to this and they're doing something really cool and something I, th I think is really important. And so uh, I, about just over a year ago, it was Matt's and Allison's uh, kind of share. We had a shared birthday that we. It's now known as Castle Birthday, and uh, Matt was turning fifty, nice. and Allison was turning forty, and so we decided to blow it out, and we rented a a castle in Knoxville, Tennessee. Hell yeah! <laughs> in this place, God, <laughs> I know Knoxville, and it's hilarious to think that there's a castle there somewhere is. in Knoxville. <laughs> There's a woman who owns a, this house, and there's a little bit of a sad story behind it. We don't need to go into all that, but it's kind of a tribute to her son, who was very much into medieval stuff. He, he passed away. That's the mm. sad part. Um, but she's kept this as like a tribute to him, and it's awesome. filled with kind of uh, it's decorated with Scottish themed plaids. I and love it. Suits of armor, and it's dark and creepy, and honestly, a whole lot of spiders inside. Sure. <laughs> um, and very difficult. I, I slept with a light on every night. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta, you gotta. Got I was that, very yeah. creeped out. Um, but it's effective. But we went and we, this was Matt and AK and Fitz and me. Um, Fitz's full name, by the way, is uh, Anna Fitzgerald, for people who don't know. I didn't actually know that myself, so yeah. now I know. Yeah, but you can call her Fitz. Um, <laughs> So we went there and we had not played D&D in person ever. Ever? The four of us. Because oh, man. we'd started in the pandemic and sure. we all live in different cities. And all virtual. All virtual all the mm -hmm. time. And so it was it was just exciting to do that at all. And we thought, if we're going to do this, let's do it up in this weird 
creepy castle. The ideal place to do it. Yes. And um, Matt and AK, I want to say they were like wrapping up season one of ADHD 20, mm-hmm. I think. And um, it was pro- there was probably a little bit of me like having some FOMO, like oh, Matt's doing something cool. I want to do something sure. cool. Sure, yeah. And I think the seed of this, Fitz and I, I, I've always, I've just, I love playing D&D with Fitz. She's such a smart, funny, ridiculous player. Yes. And uh, every character she does, I, 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 I always want my character to be her character's best friend <laughs> because she's just so great yeah. to play with. And and she has this character named Herb, who is a, a tortoise folk barbarian chef. I love and, that on its own. Yeah, yeah. And when you <laughs> and when you experience Herb in person, it's just like it's just it's so great. It makes sense. And I I had had this character named Bud, and Bud is and the irony is that we've only like played Bud and Herb like maybe in some one shots. We haven't done, we don't have a campaign with Bud and Herb ever. But um, but I I I, I in my opinion I don't get to play Bud enough. Yeah, and of Bud course. he's a I just I made him up for a one shot. For that, our our great friend Alejandro Tay, who used to have a company called Table Tale Games, another former guest of S'more Stories. We Hell love yeah! I mean, he's just he's just so amazing. Yeah, and he was doing a one shot. I think it was we we'd gotten this one shot from from my brother Matt for his birthday, and so um, I rolled up this weird ass character. It was a, I'd never played a deep gnome before. Sure. It's like yeah, sure, that sounds cool. Yeah, he'll be a rogue. Why not? And and he's gonna sound like just a kind of a redneck um <laughs> a redneck uh yeah that's i love that that sounds amazing and that was bud and i gave yeah. him you know he's his, his his full name is Kriglin extra flump bud liquor of course no one can pronounce bud that. liquor but bud yeah not but but he gets that a lot i love that but, but so everyone calls him bud yeah and so anyway we're at this birthday party and, and i'm feeling adhd fomo and i just Turn, at some point, I turned to Fitz and said, okay, I've got this really stupid idea. What do you think? What if Bud and Herb had a talk show? And and it's evolved over time because the original idea was actually quite bad. And it was... <laughs> we love bad ideas because they lead to the good ones. Well, in this case, I think it has. But um, so the, the original idea was what if Bud and Herb had a, just like a morning talk show? And all we did was interview other people about their, like, whatever campaign that they've just played, their, ex- their exploits. But they have to do it in character. Sure. Um, and talk about it in character. Like, whatever happened. And on, on, on paper, it was like, yeah, okay, yeah, I could see that. That sounds fun. And then in, in practice, it didn't really work. Sure, that well. yes. Although we did, we did actually do some interviews with friends. And bonus it, content. And they were they were really good. Yes, we do have some bonus contents laying around. <laughs> but we did a ton of world building for this, way more than we needed to. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> way more. And the more we got into that though, the more we realized, wait a minute, there's stories here that we want to tell. And this is not the way to do that. Mm. To have Bud and Herb be the kind of in the passenger seat as morning talk show hosts. They should be the drivers. They're the drivers. Yeah. They're, so we've crafted this whole story about these two knuckleheads. And uh, we've got like multiple seasons planned. Um, and But here, here's the cool part. 
And, and Fitz has all the cool ideas. So we, originally it was just going to be like, so it evolved from a talk show mm -hmm. into what it is now, more of a kind of an, a fantasy investigative podcast. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> and with these two knuckleheads. And we weren't really like, well, how many episodes like should you do? Can we do like sure. how much work is this? Like, how are we going to do? Like, we all have jobs. <laughs> Lots know. of questions. Yeah. Yeah. And then Fitz said, okay, what if we do X amount of written, written, mostly written, you know, somewhat improvised, semi-improvised mm -hmm. shows. Uh, and then we end it with an actual play. So you build up to this moment in the story and then you let it play out. And then it's fully in game. Playing it out, literally. Yes. yes. Wow. So that's the plan. And we've we've gotten episode one is done. Hell yeah. We've gotten the first three episodes written and there's one or two more to go. It's going to be, a, it's, it's a short because, you know, again, we won't, we don't want to make this so gargantuan that it'll never get done. Yes. We yep. want to bite off what we can chew. So let's, what we said, okay, let's do, let's do five episodes written, produced, and then, and then, you know, you will, you can split up a, an actual play into probably multiple, multiple episodes. Yeah. yeah. So, and then you can always come back. Like, the, uh, I, I love giving yourself like a goal. Like, all right, we're just going to do five mm -hmm. and then see what happens. Exactly. Yeah. And then, because you don't know until yeah. you're writing the story, is this, can it end here? <laughs> yeah. You don't, you really don't know. You got to get there yeah. story wise. Yeah. That's so cool. I, um, I, I'm excited to, to hear about your kind of your writing process for that because it's such a specific type of writing. Yeah. You know, that I'm sure. I know I haven't done something like that where it's like uh, a scripted something that knowing that I will lead into a fully improvised game. Yeah. Like uh, what, let's start with what, do you have like writing experience before that of like <laughs> maybe, maybe writing prose or like short stories, music obviously, but like. Not much. Yeah. where like Music. How, yeah. Where does that skill kind of come into play? <laughs> well, I, I think one, one thing that I've. Uh, I don't know if I'm good at it, but I'm willing to fail at is just... Which is half the battle, truly. Truly, yeah. And uh, I just like do stuff that I don't know how to do um, without any training because I haven't really have much training in anything I've ever done. Yeah. So I, I didn't go to school for, uh, for what I do now, specifically for web design. I, I figured out how to do that. Uh, I didn't go to music school. Um, you just figured it out. I just figured it out. And <laughs> yeah. and I, I, there's a lot of, you know, exciting things that can happen in finding your own voice mm -hmm. when you're just figure, figuring it out. I don't recommend it to anybody. <laughs> I think it's studying with people is great. Yes. It's a great idea. And you will get where you want to go so much faster when you do that. Mm -hmm. um, but when you do discover things on your own along the way, I, I think there are there is – you can find pathways to – your own perspective and your own voice mm -hmm. and you're just going to make a ton of mistakes and learn from those. Get them out of the way early. Yeah. So in this case, so I, I'd, I'd written songs sure. before I was, I, I, I don't know if I would call myself a songwriter in the sense of like uh, songwriters who are prolific, like who live and breathe it. Right? Shall I go back to my original point of the principle of s'more stories? If you've written a song, wrote, you're, you're a songwriter. songwriter. Okay. Yeah. I, thank you. Thank you for that. Okay. I'll stop. I'll stop doing that. Um, uh, I, I, you're I, doing the Colby. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I, I'd written songs. I was a songwriter Yes. and I've been, and that's a very specific process and it's very different for everybody. Um, 
but I had that experience. And mm-hmm. I think the key takeaway there was um, in songwriting, it's, sometimes it's like um, a Magic Eye poster. Remember those? Yeah. Where it kind of comes into view mm-hmm. when you're least expecting it. <laughs> yeah. If you can relax your mind enough, then you can like open, you can see the thing. Sure. And you can, if you can relax your mind enough to let out whatever it is it's trying to get out, then it'll happen. Um, yeah. And then so, and then other times it's excruciating, right? It's just like this laborious, um, you chiseling away at the stone. Yes. Um, but the the I think that was my first introduction to just let the creative creativity flow. Yeah. And but then you also have to put it in music and it has to sound cool. There's other elements. So it can fail to it. It can still fail. Then, like you can <laughs> you can write a great song, but then there's other all these other parts of it that have to go with it. And that's yeah. the, the hard thing about music, I'm sure. <sighs> yeah. Is that there's all these other elements and variables. Oh, lyrics, man. And lyrics, yeah. Lyrics suck. Do you, <laughs> to kind of the, the lyrics point, um, when you would write songs, do you, did you tend to think of them more on like a narrative scale mm-hmm. or purely like a personal? Or like where, where did you kind of come from that process i guess uh depending on what i was doing in jump it was always real personal gotcha um and i think i I aimed for colorful storytelling language sure but not in a linear sense of like in a bob dylan way not like telling a a story a folk way Mm -hmm. right but it was also like i had to write music that fit with that band yes and, and emotionally and sonically like it had to Makes sense. I had to match. Um, which is weird because that band was super eclectic. So what, like was in a lot of ways it was anything goes. <laughs> Lots of different sounds were included. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I, it, that is interesting to think about too, because then when you transition that into something like Cabaret Kiki, Very where you're writing still songs and writing bits and, you know, sketches and stuff, did the kind of experience that you had writing songs help that process? Totally. Yeah. And and the songwriting process was also really different sure. because the they we started writing things that were built for purely for an emotional moment. It's like mm-hmm. okay, we need we're going for this emo- emotion in the show. It's got to be dark. It's got to be funny. It's got to be sassy. You knew the tone of <laughs> yeah. what you were trying to do. Yeah. And so the song itself wouldn't again wouldn't be like a folk style story mm-hmm. told but it would be very much a part of the fabric of this overall story we were telling sure um you know i, I don't love musical theater that much uh there's i mean there's certain there there are musicals that i do love i do love cabaret uh i love hedwig mm-hmm. um but in general but i'm you know like uh, cats i do i like cats sure. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but there's a lot of musical theater i, I roll my eyes at um it's and, easy to roll your eyes at sometimes n- no offense to musical theater lovers um but um one of the things that i loved about hedwig so much was that they were just good rock songs that's that's the sweet spot and and it told a story but mm-hmm. it wasn't it didn't have to be linear in any way and it wasn't um it wasn't i loved the whole framework of how it wasn't I'm talking and now I'm singing. <laughs> um, so anyway, so all of that stuff, uh, yes, it did inform Cabaret Kiki. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I learned a lot, especially working with Summer and Joe and Matt and writing little bits. Yeah. Um, and none of us were, like I said, none of us were comedians. None of us were had written stuff like that before. We were just figuring it out. And we just had so much fun doing make-believe. Like bouncing ideas off of each other. Yeah. Like that's, I, I imagine that's half the fun. Oh my gosh. 
and then and then you put it up on its feet and it either like you, it kills or it sucks and you just and you and you learn either way and then you move on yeah i imagine with <clears throat> with that kind of active co-writing does that has that helped with uh, bud nerb with working with fits on all the stuff because obviously mm-hmm. it's it's less like prose and probably more like world building for the podcast yes I, at least from my perspective, I love the world building part. Yeah. <laughs> like that's so fun to kind of let your brain. Oh yeah. It's literally just fantasy yeah. in your head. Like you're letting your brain make explore believe. and make stuff up in your head. And, yeah. uh, and, and I imagine the idea of doing that with somebody else like Fitz adds a whole other layer of like fun to that. Oh my gosh. I, I couldn't, I don't know that I would enjoy it if I was just on my own. Sure. I don't know that I'd feel as confident about it if I didn't have someone there to bounce ideas off of and to be have ideas bounced off of me and to you know look my my advice if anyone's looking for my advice which we are all looking for your advice yes are you (laughs) all the listeners are screaming in their into their phones right now we want evan's advice (laughs) work with people who are better than you yes (laughs) that's my best advice for find people who are better than you and convince them that that you should work together mm-hmm. and you'll have a really great time. Yes. Um, and that's, I've been lucky enough to do that in pretty much everything that I've ever done. Uh, I, I, I guess <laughs> one of my gifts is just roping people into doing stuff that I want to do. Yes. And so I got Fitz to agree to this. Um, I can't imagine what she thought when I first like pitched her, like, <laughs> what if we were just had these two dumbasses who had a talk show? Uh, she was probably like, okay. Even that alone is a great idea. And yeah, it's very silly. Yeah. But I there is something awesome about like taking a pretty dumb idea and then just working with it and yeah. doing something with it. Like and, and my the example that I always have is the book that you have right next to you, Kill Collins, a book that I wrote, started from a very dumb idea of what what happens if there was a Phil Collins a death metal Phil Collins cover band. Yeah. And that was it. Yeah. And it's such a dumb idea, but then I was like, what if I write it out and see what happens? Yeah. And then I had a book. And then you had a book. <laughs> that's so fun. And so you like, a book. I love the idea of like, don't be afraid of dumb ideas. Right. Because they can always evolve. They can always shift. You can always edit it into something else. Yeah. But I think there's like a little nugget of gold in like everything. Well, I think I, I was listening to your conversation with, and I forget his name, San Andre. Aaron Tuning. Thank you. Yes. And he was saying something similar. Like don't, I think he even said like, there's a superpower in not centering yourself mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing what he's yeah. saying but like don't don't let some of those little ideas pass you by mm-hmm. yeah i think if i remember correctly and i may may or may not but it was something along the lines of don't let yourself get in the way that's exactly you know well, that was it where yes. it's like and when he said that it hit me like a like a bullet it's yeah like, oh my god yeah that's that's what i've been doing my whole life yeah <laughs> it's like letting myself get in the way oh man it's so easy it's so easy and it's, it's just so easy to to doubt yourself and or, or just not get started or um and that, i think that's why having someone to do it with can make it so much more fun yes and i mean fitz and i sitting around just dreaming up this weird world that we we're going to go play in that was as much fun like whether or not Say we never even made it to the point where we started making the podcast itself. We were already having fun. And that was already a win for me. That's a big win. Because you, you, I think we mentioned this before we started recording, but like the idea of like finding that inner child Mm -hmm. as an adult is like the greatest feeling (laughs) in the world. And so I, I I can very easily imagine you and Fitz just like brainstorming ideas 
and like feeling that inner child again of just like letting your fantasy and letting your make believe yeah. kind of run wild with yeah. somebody else. Yeah. In like a very collaborative way, which yeah. is kind of what all about what D&D is all about. Totally. Is collaborative storytelling. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, I can't wait. Well, I'm for excited. The podcast. Like this is already, I knew about the podcast. I didn't know what the setup was. Yeah. And this is so exciting already. I can probably, I, 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 I could probably share the setup. I mean, you. Like, it's up to you. It, it, I'll give you the bare minimums because she might shoot me if I share too much. I can always edit <laughs> things. So, okay, great. There, uh, Bud and Herb are um, they're former adventurers. Of course, they settled down in this idyllic little town that they found um, called Mistress Glen. Mm-hmm. And Mistress Glen, it's kind of a a, a twin Peaksian picket fences kind small of town. small town nothing bad ever happens there right like there's no monsters to speak of there's mm-hmm. no it's not super D in that way I and mean, there's different i love that you know species different races whatever you want to call them and so it's but but in terms there's not a lot of strife there and they thought wow you know what let's hang up our hats let's move to this little town and but you can take the adventurer out of the out of the adventure but it's always there. So <laughs> they they have they've they've retained their love of just things mysterious, and they are currently they've started a podcast, an in world podcast. Love this already. <laughs> um, about they're on the hunt for a cryptid, and okay. that that's as much as I can tell you about that. That's all I need. Yeah. So it's an investigative <laughs> podcast for a cryptid that is haunting the countryside around Mistress Glen, and. I, the the name of the podcast is The Adventures of Bud and Herb, which I'm sure people who smoke a lot of weed will <laughs> think that it is about something very different. That didn't even hit me, and I do enjoy some weed. Yeah. Uh, that's <laughs> hilarious. Now that you mentioned, it. we're we're gonna like. I feel like we're you know required to put in some weed references. That, Get some sponsorships exactly. from, from like weed companies or like Delta Eight companies or exactly. something. We should do that. Microdose. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, microdose.com. Let's go. So the name of our show is called The Adventures of Bud and Herb. Their show is called Mysteries of the Verdant Valley. Ooh. And so... I would listen to that in the real world. Yeah. Well, sure. you're going to have a chance to. Yes. Yeah. I can't wait. It's, it is... I haven't had this much fun in so long. It's the, it's been one of the most important things. Like, Cabaret Kiki, I was saying, was really fulfilling. Mm-hmm. This has the same vibe of like, wow, we're just truly making this stuff up out of thin air and we're putting out in the world and and it feels good like you know that feeling when you write your book and you're like that's good i did that that feels good you get the sense of accomplishment yeah and it is so nice and, and the fact that you get to do it with a friend yeah makes it all the better yeah and and so i oh, yeah. can't wait i can't wait to hear more when the episodes start coming out I, I, I always feel like i have to ask every guest this a little bit and and i think we've touched on all these different points of creativity and art but I think we just got to find out in your words, in your mind, as granular or as vague as you want, like what makes a good story? Like what connects you to a good story Ooh, in your wow. mind? Wow, that's a great question. It can be anything. Um, Movie, TV show, book, podcast, comic, whatever. Man, I think the things that have resonated with me have always, because I, I do, I love genre things, right? Horror, both do, science sure. fiction, superheroes. You know, that's my sweet spot. Mm-hmm. But the stories that I, in those genres that I've have always resonated the most with me 
are things like like in Battlestar Galactica, where sure it's a it's a on the surface it's a story about dogfights and ships and space, yeah. But it's it's a story about people and religion and mm-hmm. you know just their daily strife and everything that they're going through, and and the stakes are very real in that way. And that's the stuff that just gets me. Yeah. So I guess a, a connection to what, whatever makes something fantastical real, mm-hmm. there's magic in that. Yes. And, you know, I don't know if Fitz and I have thought of, like, <laughs> said that out loud and thought about it or if Bud and Herb is, are approaching anything like that. Yeah. We're not really concerned about that. No. Yeah. <laughs> but um, you, I think you're able to, like, your own podcast, your own story aside, like, you can still latch onto those things yeah. in other stories as well. Yeah. And, and, we're getting ahead of ourselves with Bud and Herb because they very well might run into they might. that stuff down the road. They sure might. So the, the possibilities are endless. Well, and I, I've been burying the lead a little bit here because uh, Fitz and I, we meet every Friday um, to discuss things, write, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were meeting yesterday and we were actually discussing episodes four and five. And there are, there are some characters that we don't have voices for. And we were wondering if you and Seth might be interested. <laughs> I mean, this is, you're, you're asking live on the air. Uh, the answer is no a, a, a hearty, absolutely yes. And we'll check with Seth, Seth McKay, of course, yeah. our, our mutual friend. Uh, and Seth is going to be in. Okay. For sure. That's incredible. Okay. okay. Cool. Thank you. <laughs> That's so nice. Well, <laughs> awesome. Yay. Cool. Um, I think, I think, I don't know if, if we know exactly who will be who, but we, there is a, uh, Bud and her belong to the Mistress Glen Cryptid Club. And, um, it's a, it's a small club. <laughs> of course. But, but, um, filled with people who are very excited about cryptids. And so, um, uh, just, just keep that in the back of your we, mind. We will, uh, we will. Hold steady. Okay, okay. That okay, is cool. very, very exciting. Thank you for, for thinking of us, thinking of... Uh, and and we, we we should say, we didn't mention it. We've had the chance to play in a couple of games together. It's so much fun. Um, you you helped take part in a uh, play test that me and Seth were running. Yeah. Uh, which was specifically for the zine that me and Brittany are publishing yeah. called Mishmash, which will come out soon. We got a couple weeks before those will get delivered. But So we've had the chance to play some games together. Yeah. And that's, that's how we knew. We're yeah. like, okay, these guys they're cut from the same cloth and they would kill this. So just nerds who like having fun with each other. Yeah. But do it, but also do it well. Right? That makes us feel better. I, I that just hearing that. Cause you never know when you're doing it in the moment, you're like, is, is this stupid? Am I being dumb right now? No, no, no. It's, it's, <laughs> well, it's like, I, like I just said, I mean, it, it, I think it goes, it goes for stuff that you're doing creatively. And it also goes, whether that's like your art form and therefore sometimes your profession Mm -hmm. can also just go for playing games. When you play with people who are better than you, you're always going to be better. True. True. I mean, iron sharpens iron. Yeah. We we don't quote the Bible a lot here on this podcast, but that line does that. That verse, I guess, actually does work. I wouldn't have known if that was from the Bible. Now I do. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I brought the Bible into this. I don't actually, I don't like talking about the Bible. Oh no. Let's talk about Satan. (laughs) Back to Satan. Yes. (laughs) But but back to kind of your your the thing that you mentioned that you love about stories where it's like you're able to find things that ground stories mm-hmm. in various genres. Yeah. Right? It can happen in sci-fi, like you mentioned with Battlestar Galactica. It can happen in fantasy, it can happen in horror. Mm-hmm. Like when it happens in horror, I'm a we're we're recording this in October. Yeah. Like I love horror movies. Oh yeah. When you see a good horror movie that has like 
a grounded reality yeah. in a crazy world. Yeah. Like it's such a sweet spot. Oh man. For me. Yeah. I love it. And you make it so much more deeply terrifying. Yeah. It's <laughs> so a, much worse. <laughs> a big layer of scares too. I need it. recommendations because my wife does not like horror movies. So I'm I'm way out of touch. You're talking to the right person. Yeah, I know. I know I am. Um yeah, you know who you need to talk to uh to like really nerd out about horror is uh, Lindsay Jean, my brother's wife. Let's do I, it. I mean, I, I I challenge anyone in the world, you know, she she has seen more horror movies than any other human being. I guarantee it. A kindred spirit. Yeah. For sure. So, I mean, I get plenty of recs from her and she kind of knows what I'm into sure. and what I like don't like so much. But I, but even still, like Elise doesn't watch horror. So I don't I never have the opportunity to re- unless I'm just like. You got to commit to it sometimes. Yeah. It, it is hard. And I have a similar issue. My my significant other, Brittany, does not love horror things, does not like scary things. Early on in our relationship, I got her to watch a couple because she was still trying to impress me. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like very excited. I was like, oh, she's into it. We watched like It together. Like, great. Oh, wow. And then very quickly, she was like, I like you, but we, I don't need to watch Feels these bad. anymore. And I was like, yeah, understandable. Yeah. I get it. I'm the weird one here. Yeah. But, uh, but you're right. Like it, uh, finding those kindred spirits that do like horror movies and can appreciate them when they're like good okay so i have a challenge for you i love challenges hook me up with story because my my my, at least does like thrillers Mm -hmm. she loves murder right like she's totally cool with that i love murder yeah (laughs) uh so that is fine Mm -hmm. supernatural stuff she just gets bored fair right anything sci-fi or supernatural she just starts snoozing yeah but if it's if it's if it rides the line between thriller and horror, mm-hmm. she can get on board with okay. that. Um, she'll be still still kind of tentative. But if any things that you know that are horrific but not supernatural based, I'd be interested to get any of those wrecks. I've got some gears turning in my head. Okay, already. I'll I'll, I'll send some your way. You you were talking about uh, Barbarian. Yes. Which I still haven't seen. Is that a candidate? Uh, or is there some supernatural stuff in there? It's not supernatural. Okay. I loved Barbarian so much, but it is, uh, I can't really spoil much because there, there is a, uh, like a, a bit of a twist. I would recommend it for you. Okay. Okay. And then maybe if you like it, check with your, with your wife and see okay. if she'd be interested, but it's awesome. Like okay. it's a great movie, but it is a little bit more of, uh, of an intense one. Okay. Not necessarily like a genre one. There's not like sci-fi or fantasy elements. But. Okay. So what, in, in your love of horror, like what is your, what's your, I mean, because there's, it's so broad. Right? It's so broad. Yeah. What, what is your, what is the sweetest of sweet spots? It's, it, that's tough with horror because I do love a couple of different like tropes in horror. Uh-huh. Like I am a sucker for a good found footage oh, yeah. movie. Okay. Uh, there's a, most of them are bad. Yeah. And I'm okay admitting that. Yeah. But. What's like, the best one? I mean. Blair Witch. Yeah. I love Blair Witch Project. I wish I'd had a chance to see it in theaters. Oh, yeah. Because that I feel like that would have been just the coolest experience. It was pretty cool. I did. I saw it in the, in the so, theater. I'm so jealous. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> but also, like, that was just a different time. Like that You was, probably saw it on, you know, by yourself. It's that. true. I did watch it on, I was in high school. I watched it on a portable DVD player in bed nice. at night on my chest. <laughs> see, I feel like that could be scarier, <laughs> it, actually. It was pretty terrifying and i think that was like right around the era of my life where i was getting into horror mm-hmm. and so i was still scared of stuff at the time now yeah. i'm like the most desensitized yeah person ever fully calloused yeah fully calloused <laughs> yeah um, and so like i watched that at, a, at an era where it was like it really stuck with me yeah Th- uh, that and i love the descent 
Oh, I uh, just rewatched that. It's aged pretty well. It is. <laughs> it's intense. It is intense. It aged way better than I expected yeah. it. It's, it's all the claustrophobia stuff. Totally. Like that, that stuff totally. it hits so hard still. Yeah. And I love some good creatures. Like I love yeah. a good a underground creature. Uh, Jeepers thing. Creepers. Come yeah. on. Yeah. Come yeah, on. yeah. I watched that for the first time recently. Jeepers yeah. Creepers. It's so good. It's why It shouldn't be. It should not have been good. No. <laughs> but it no. was like, wait. Actually, now I want to rewatch that. I haven't yeah. seen it in a while. It's it's streaming somewhere. I watched it. I watched it somewhere recently. But but yeah, I think I think with with horror, um, I, like I said, I love found footage. Uh, my the way that I was raised, I think, g- leads me to be interested in like religious horror. Mm. So like Exorcist. Exorcist. Like Amen. there's a, a recent one, Saint Maud, which is mm. a really good one. I think I it's on. I don't know that. I think it's on Prime. It's on one of the big ones streaming somewhere. It's, okay. Kind of along those same lines where it touches on a lot of religious stuff. Yeah. And so, yeah, I would say uh, like slashers, I can kind of do without like yeah. the classic slashers. I'm not a big like Friday the 13th, yeah. like Nightmare on Elm Street. I've seen the first ones of all of those, uh-huh. but never necessarily felt like I had to like yeah. watch all 10 of them yeah. or whatever. Um, but I like that era of horror. Sure. Like yes. I respect it for what it was. There's something just in the way that it's filmed that just feels like a warm blanket yes. to me. Like, yes. Like the just, original Halloween movie. I was just about to say like- yeah. Something about like looking down the streets of Haddonfield just <laughs> warms the the creepy cockles of my heart. Yes. I, I can't describe it, but uh, there's something I, I will never stop loving that movie. Even I've seen it too many times, but and I've seen it enough times to know that it's it's good to a point. It's yeah. not great. Right? It's, it is what it is. It's great for what it was, and and it launched like an entire genre. Oh, totally. Basically, which yeah. is which is awesome. Um, and I think, you know, with, with modern horror, especially like there every year you get like a really cool, or a couple really cool horror movies that like will stick with you like years paranormal ago. Activity. Paranormal activity. That was like the big <laughs> cultural one when it came out. Um, I remember a few years ago, it follows oh, yeah. came out and it was like, this is, this is different. This feels yeah. like modern. This feels new. This mm-hmm. feels fresh. Yeah. Um, this year's it was talk to me. Uh, oh, I don't know that one. It's, it was an Australian horror movie. Okay. I got a chance to see it in theaters. I'm sure it's streaming somewhere now, but it's awesome. It's like elevated, intense, uh, about like high schoolers. So I, I get kind of the like teen young scream. person. Yeah, stuff oh, like love, that. Teen screams is one of my favorite subgenres. Yeah, this is, I would say this is a little bit more grounded than like a typical like scream. regular slasher. I love yeah. the scream movies. I love the scream movies. Oh, hell yeah. I mean, I've. So good. Come on. I, I watched the worst. I watched Scream 3. And that is Again, the worst one. <laughs> I watched. I don't care. I watched it. I just did. I just watched it recently this summer. It, what's cool, What's interesting about the Scream franchise as well? We're we're deep in the horror rabbit hole here, but it's October, so this fits. Yeah. Um, is that the Scream had a bad Scream movie, mm-hmm. and they've gotten better again. Yeah. Like I've enjoyed the last couple. Yeah. It's like the, almost like reboots, somewhat. Yeah. What they they actually what are they 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 actually said something. There's a new word for it. There is. I don't remember um, what it is. It's like a preboot. Something like that. Yeah. It's like it's requel. A requel. Requel, that's what it is. That's what yes. It is. Thank yeah, you. yeah, yeah. Um, which is a, a thing that we see more and more nowadays nowadays where when people just don't really they can't come up with Star original Wars ideas. Movies, yeah, like, let's get the legacy characters in here and kill them all. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Which is like mileage may vary for, for the viewers <laughs> yes. for these. But I think specifically with these screen movies, they've kind of recaptured some of the fun yeah. of it. Because it's like the meta uh aspect of horror and it's all like touching on all these specific tropes already. Yeah. And so it's just, I enjoy those movies. Like, they're fun. There's a rumor that Nev will be back for the next one. I missed her in this last oh one. Oh, my God. Like, come on. There's no Scream without Nev Campbell. Uh, Scream is one of those few horror franchises where I've watched all of them. 
and there's like six now at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, recently, me and Brittany <clears throat> rewatched, or for me, for the first time, watched all the Final Destination movies. Oh, wow. I'd never seen any of them. I, I think I've seen the first one. The first one's awesome. Uh-huh. The middle three are terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and then the, I think the fifth one is the most recent one, and it was like, not bad. Okay. But the first one's a classic. Okay. For sure. But we were like, let's check them out. And they're not really like scary. So Brittany was yeah. able to kind of get through them because we we're just laughing. They're goofy. At them. Yeah. Yeah. Which uh, a horror comedy, that's a good, that's a good sweet spot for me. Like, okay. A good horror comedy. Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead. I mean, just the king of it. They're hell. rare. Yeah. They're rarely made. And so when one comes out that's like really good or fun. Oh, oh, oh. Have you seen, um, oh crap. I, it's got one of those names where I can never remember it. Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Amazing. No, that one is memorable. No, there's one. I just watched another movie by this guy. I think his name is Josh Rubin, the director. Uh, Scare Me? Yes. Something, yes. God. I love Josh Rubin. The dude's awesome. He's amazing. He's a genius. He's a genius. In that movie, you've seen that movie. Mm -hmm. So good. Him and and Aya Cash, I believe. Yes. The girl in that, yeah. Yes. I did not love Werewolves Within as much. It was fine, yeah. It was okay. Had, some, still had some moments. I had never seen, um, what's her face? AT&T woman in anything. Before. As an actual actress, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was fun. Yeah. Anyways, anyways, sorry. Never apologize for okay. talking about horror on this podcast. It's, I would talk about it outside of October. Oh, yeah. It too. just happens to fit better now. It does. <laughs> I'm feeling spooky already. Exactly, yes. Um, <clears throat> I, yeah, I'll, I'll send you a few recommendations okay. for you and, and, and your wife. What was your name? Elise. Elise. For yeah. you and Elise to check out. Because I do love that. I love I love finding things that people can like. I don't want to just send somebody something that I'm like, this is going to scare the shit out of you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, that's not fun for me. Right. Like, I enjoy being like, here's something that I think you're going to like. And then if you do like it, I'm going to feel really good about myself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. where I draw yeah. my, yes. my positivity. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> let's let's pull back from the, from the rabbit hole okay, okay. that we've been in. Okay. Next time. Yes. We'll chat more. Okay. <laughs> but before we get to uh, the story spotlights, which is mm-hmm. kind of a, one of our last segments for this, I want to get a story topic a story from topic. you. Right. Well, I've been calling it, I don't have a name for any segments yet outside of story spotlights, but I'm calling this spontaneous topics. Okay. Or spawn topics. Spawn topics. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> and, and it's just a, a way for a guest to feel like they're contributing something oh wow even though you were you you didn't have the time to write a story which i, I forgive you for i thank you i forgive I'm sorry. i forgive yeah this is your chance to, to just throw something out there and it'll get put into the this topic spreadsheet that people will get to choose from okay and there's not a wrong answer you can literally say one word and it'll be fine well this is october it is october i mean i suppose this has already kind of been touched on by stranger things but when i saw that I saw those kids mm-hmm. in the '80s playing D and D in their in their basement, yeah. and that was that was mad at me. And it was my friend Todd. Did it hit you like in hard. the in the nostalgia? Hard, so hard. So, uh, I, but I'm gonna riff off of that. We'll see how successfully I do this. But it's got to be kids, okay, in the '80s playing D and D, right? Mm-hmm. And let's throw in a little bit of like St- Stephen King, like Stand by Me. Oh my God. Like they you're, discover you're speaking my language, a real dead body, and somehow this has got to tie back to this game, okay, in fantasy. So I'm not sure how this is all going to come together, but I'm just tossing out some elements. This is good. Here. I can we can we can work with all of this. Okay, we can okay. we can uh, consolidate. Yeah, into I'll, let, like, I'll let you synthesize these things. Yes, that's kid, my job. Kids in the '80s 
obsession with fantasy. Let's go ahead and make sat- Satanic Panic a big part of it. Of course, it. got to. And then a real dead body shows up. You, uh, this is a story that I not only want to write, but I want to read and watch from everybody. Like this, is, that setup is such a great story. Yeah, already. Like uh-huh. I love, I love stories with kids. Mm-hmm. I love scary stories with kids, and especially those when they die. Who love killing kids. <laughs> <laughs> But I think I think you touched on it because I love Stephen King. He's one of my favorite writers. Oh yeah, and he was able to kind of tap into that genre of like he's the master young kids dealing with scary stuff, and then like it's good versus evil. Can I tell you my it story? I would love to hear your it story. My favorite Stephen King book. That's it's. I mean, it's I I my my, the thing I always say about it, and if you haven't read it out there, Mm -hmm. um, it's very long. So buckle up. Over a thousand pages. Yeah. And the first thousand pages, I think, are the best book he ever read, re- wrote. Mm-hmm. The last two hundred pages, not as much. He, he, endings are tough. Endings are tough, even for Stephen King. Not for Brian K. Vaughn. Not for Brian K. Vaughn. He's a great ender. Yeah, he can he can stick the landing like nobody else. But Stephen King, uh, depending on the book, in this book, but 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 so yes. the last two hundred pages are, are a little bit rocky. Still one of the finest things he ever wrote. It's worth it's, it. It is so worth it. To the point, I, was, I didn't read it until I was in my 20s and I was uh, I was staying with a friend and I woke up in the middle of the night. I was in the middle of the, I hadn't even finished it yet. <laughs> and I woke up in the middle of the night actually screaming. And I was from a, a nightmare that was so vivid. I remember it to this day. Oh my God. Like all of it. Wow. So vividly. And in this dream, I was... Uh, I was in the house that I grew up in, mm-hmm. which all of my nightmares take place in that house. Makes sense. Don't know why. <laughs> um, but uh, no one was there, just mm-hmm. me. And it was dusk-ish, getting dark. And I I was trying to find something. And I didn't know what it was. And I was mm-hmm. looking at every cabinet, cupboard, just everywhere in the house. And I couldn't, I didn't know what it was, but I knew that I'd know it when I, when I saw it. Yeah. And I, and I. This is like good dream logic already. Yeah. And I, and, and I'm. And I'm getting more panicked, like the the because the, it's just not anywhere. Whatever mm-hmm. it is, it's not there, and I'm starting to get more and more anxious. And I finally end up back in the room where I started, which is our living room, and I realize there's only one place left to look. I, re- I realized that, and I also realized that it. Oh no, I wasn't looking for something to find. I was looking this whole time to make sure that there's something wasn't there. And I look under the couch, which is the last place. Terrifying. And under the couch was Pennywise. (sighs) And Pennywise, he's like crumpled up like uh, an insect almost. And he's flat uh, on the ground. And he's just peering out. You can see, I could see, I can still see like his clown costume. Sure. And, and, And for folks out there, Pennywise of my day was Tim Curry. The ultimate Tim Curry. I mean. Terrifying. Yeah. Good. And so (laughs) Tim Curry is there under this couch and he just, he's smiling because he's been waiting this whole time. Waiting for me to find him. You were coming. And he smiles and his teeth are not human teeth. They're like these razor sharp things. And he pops up on his fingertips and starts to skitter oh out <laughs> and he's he just skitters out from underneath the sofa and i immediately back up and i stand up on my feet and he plows right into me and i fell over onto his back 
I remember the feeling of like the silk of his clown costume oh on my, my God. face. <laughs> and I rolled off his back and that's when I woke up and I was screaming. S cold sweat, the whole thing. And How that, old were you at this point? Like 25. That's insane. And that's what I knew. It's like, that's the best book I've ever read. It stuck with you. It, like, I've never had any book give me a reaction like that. That's so. such a vivid dream, too. Like, oh, yeah. so much so that you remember it. Remember the feeling of oh, yeah. something in the dream, like, yeah. in your fingertips. That is wild. And I am, I'm sorry for all the listeners that are not going to be able to sleep tonight <laughs> from that great story. That's awesome. I, I, I never really remember my dreams. Yeah. And part of me is yeah, a little bit either. bummed about it, but also like I don't really get nightmares, so there there is a benefit there's of that. An upside. Um, but I don't really have good stories like that of like this cool dream I had, it's, specifically with Pennywise, which yeah. is terrifying. Oh my god, yeah, it's I, I don't have for, fortunately I don't have many like that. There you go. Yes, but um, but yeah, that's something. Anyway, took us down yet another rabbit hole again. A welcome, King, a welcome Stephen King rabbit hole. The master always. in that in that book is like the book about yeah. kids mm -hmm. and. Uh, and horror it's like the ultimate and it and it again like the other things we've mentioned it basically spawned a whole genre yeah. of like coming of age like horror kids totally. stories yeah and Especially stand by me oh, stand by me is a classic i mean absolute holy classic cow um love that short story as well pet um, cemetery is that's my favorite book though interesting i know interesting uh very very quick pet cemeteries uh story uh, i bought a book or pet cemetery story i bought the book uh years ago at a used bookstore was reading it, really enjoying it, got to kind of the, the climax uh, where, spoiler alert for a 40-year-old book, basically, yeah. uh, the kid comes back to life who dies. Yeah, and I think is, everybody and knows. Is, and is filled with, <laughs> filled with evil, yes. you know. Right when that happens in the book, uh, I turn the page and there were 30 pages missing. Oh, no. From the book. <laughs> oh, it just no. went from like, you know, like 230 to like 260 oh. with no like missing pages. Oh. It looked just like a print error. Oh, wow. And so then like a chapter later, the book ended. And I was you like- never read the ending? I never Cemetery? got the like official ending. <laughs> I think I just got like a, a broken book or something. Oh, no. <laughs> and I really enjoyed it. I, I, this is a great book. Uh, the movies was also solid, I guess. Uh, but like, I was just, I was like so bummed. Like, oh, how, how does that happen? Yeah. So eventually I will have to, knowing that you it, that it is back. your favorite. It is, it is, he definitely sticks the landing. It's been a long time since I read it, so I sure. don't actually remember it yeah. super well, but I remember feeling really satisfied and deeply, deeply terrified, which I don't feel like the original movie, I haven't seen the remake, but the original movie didn't, the, the hard part to capture is when Gage is, comes back. Yeah. In the book, it is, is so chilling because he's speaking. He's very little kid, right? He's tiny. It's creepy. And he's speaking with an adult's horrific voice. And there's something about that so deeply disturbing mm -hmm. that you can't really capture with a young child actor. And I don't care how good they are. Yeah. Um, so did that give you nightmares as well? It didn't. It didn't. Yeah. No. Not yet, at least. No. Not yet. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Yes. No nightmares. No nightmares. <laughs> yeah. um, and so, okay, obviously, like we, we're going to recommend Stephen King books. We're going to recommend some horror stuff. Sure. We, we, it's, it's October. Celebrate spooky season. Watch some scary stuff. There's different levels of it. Yeah. But outside of that, we do want to give you some, some recommendations from our Story Spotlights segment of things that we just want to recommend for you. Yeah. Um, I know what I'm going to say. Do, do you know what yours is? Would you like me to go first? Go. Yeah, go for, for it. For sure. Mine's actually very easy. Uh, for the last like month, maybe even month and a half now, um, I've really only been reading one thing, and okay. not and have been kind of stuck reading this one thing. I can't really get out of it. And that is 
the One Piece manga. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah which we mentioned, we messaged, we had been messaging before this, and I mentioned that I had been reading that. And it, what is that? It's a uh, the longest running manga ever, basically. Oh, wow. Um, it I think it started in 1997 and has just been continually going weekly. Oh my god! Since then, because manga is crazy. That weekly, it, yeah, it's a weekly thing. How it, long is an issue? Like 17, 18 pages. Okay, so it's a chapter, and one piece specifically is a part of Shonen Jump. So it's a big like weekly compilation. Okay, where it's like a different chapter in there each time, but it, they're all collected in yeah. this stuff. And and I had I'd had multiple friends basically catch up to One Piece, where it is now currently at like. 1100 chapters or something it's it's insane that it's still going the longevity of it is is wild and i had and i had had friends that had like caught up to it and were like it's awesome and worth checking out i had watched a couple youtube videos to like see if it was worth even checking out Mm. and so i was like i'll check it out yeah why not like i i have been reading digitally on on an ipad which makes it go a lot faster um because as you know, when you read comics a lot growing up, you can you understand the language of comics really quickly. Yeah. And so if you want to, you can go fast. Yeah. And so with One Piece, I started it uh, about a month and a half ago, and I've not been able to put it down. Okay. <laughs> like, it's it's great. It's like a it's like a pirate adventure okay. story with all these crazy characters and like powers and different fruits that give people different kinds of powers. And it I was fascinated because I, obviously we love we love comics. We've mentioned that. But I think the idea of there being a comic that has been going for so long yeah. and it's been so consistently liked that whole time, like it's never, as far as I know, had like a drop off yeah. in quality. I was like, it's worth at least checking out. Maybe I'll read a couple volumes and see. And then it just kept going and like it builds on itself really well because how can you not with that many chapters and that many pages on stuff? Yeah. So I, I, there's no commitment to me for it. Like I'm not going to necessarily commit to catching up to it right but i am very much enjoying it okay like it's it's a different type of story that i've read and and i haven't read a lot of manga in my life it's a very right. intimidating world to get into because there is so much of it yeah out there and and so i think it for me it made sense to like you know i've read a couple shorter mangas out there and, and they're good and i enjoy them but i was like if i'm gonna jump into one let's jump into like the most well-liked in the entire world <laughs> like that feels like a normal thing to yeah to jump into and and it's been a blast. I just read before I go to bed every night. Yeah. And sometimes I'll get through like a couple chapters and fall asleep. Sometimes I'm like in the midst of like a multi-chapter flashback uh-huh. where it's like, I got to finish this. And so I'll just read for another 30 minutes and get through like 10 chapters or something. <laughs> and so it just depends. And and I, I enjoy kind of having that. But I am now starting to, to realize that I'm just ignoring all the other things that I need to be reading <laughs> right. as well. Right. Um, and so I can't fully honestly recommend for anybody to just jump into it because it is intimidating. Yeah. But it is very enjoyable. Yeah. And there's a lot to enjoy about it. The art quality is good. Um, it's very goofy at times. Okay. But you get a lot of character depth. How many creators? I mean, are one. So one person this whole time? Yeah. And he's got like Weekly? assistants and stuff like who will like maybe fill in some backgrounds. Oh my God. But it's one, one dude who's writing and drawing like a majority insane. of it. And so it, there is a level of like I'm just amazed that it's happening every week, you know. Right. It's it's a it's a, a respect. It's all thing. black and white? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's that's like a thing for manga. That's for generally part. how it is for manga. Um, which, which because it is weekly and right. you coloring takes up a lot of a lot of time. T- it does. It does. Um so yeah, I, I I'm gonna say it. If you're interested in checking out some manga, check out One Piece. Like okay. if you like it, it will keep going and there will be right. a never ending amount essentially if you want. Um, I can't commit to to say how long I'm going to keep going. Yeah. 
but I'm enjoying it at the moment. Well, and that's all I can really ask for. Okay. You know? But I am missing, I am missing my other books. <laughs> I, yes. I have other things I need to read. And so I, I will probably give myself a break soon. Yeah. Um, but it is awesome. And, and I'll, I'll give one other quick, quick re- recommendation. Um, there's a TV show that I uh, started watching this week. It's a spinoff of The Boys. Oh, yeah. Which is, if anybody has enjoyed The Boys. Uh, Gen V? Gen V. Okay. Um, which The Boys is uh, uh, a show on Amazon Prime based on a comic book. The comic book is not great. It's very like edgelordy. Oh, really? I've never read the comic book. It is what it is based okay. on the writer and Garth Ennis. And yeah. He, he kind of had a lot of that stuff. But he's, the show has adapted very it. very punk. Very punk. But also at a time when, you know... That wasn't a thing in comics, really, and so yeah. it stood out a lot more. Did he do Preacher as well? Yes. Okay. Which is another kind of like edgy yeah. comic that Nihilist. was adapted <laughs> into a show as well by yeah. the same people, Seth Rogen and Evan oh. Goldberg. Oh, they they're I didn't know that. Big producers these days, which oh. is awesome, and they produce okay. good things. Yeah. And so The Boys was surprisingly really good so far that I've enjoyed it. Okay. So Gen V is this <clears throat> spinoff of that show, also on Prime, that really just speaks to the things that I like. It's a it's a school mm-hmm. for people with powers. Yeah, and it's very like R rated. Yeah, <laughs> and that's like all I need. Like I'm sure. in. I, I I love the classic like X Men trope of yeah students with powers. Yeah, that's all I need, and it's yeah. great. So okay. I would give that a recommendation. I I guess you should probably watch the boys if you're gonna enj- if you're gonna watch Gen V. But from what I can tell, you can kind of get by without. Yeah, like you could probably jump in pretty easily. If okay, you wanted to. I've seen season one of the boys, and I liked it. It's it's dark. It is dark. So I haven't. Sometimes I get a little gun shy on on things that are that dark, that cynical. Sometimes. And I can understand that. So I haven't gone back to season two. Yeah. And what, are they on season four or something now? I think the next one coming is season four. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And it's and I've I, I've enjoyed the other seasons as well. So if you liked season one, you would probably enjoy the other ones as well. But I do understand like taking a break sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. To watch yeah. like something not as dark or yeah. not as gross or gory or it whatever is, yeah they don't shy away from just being nasty as hell no and i do appreciate that yeah. <laughs> like, the, the the cellar dweller in me yeah. appreciates that of like i kind of respect how gross it can get sometimes oh, you know so gross so just chunky yeah you don't see that on tv ever and so yeah. it's like there's a level of like how are they getting away with this i know <laughs> type thing yeah um but yeah th- so one piece which i think much longer and then gen v if you're looking for a little short okay. tv show okay you know students with powers type stuff. Okay. Um, but I'm very curious kind of what you would like to recommend. Oh, it can be man. something recent that you consumed. It can be one of your favorite things of all time. I'll share a little bit of both. There's no wrong answer. So I've been uh, similar. I've, I've similarly been on a uh, kind of a completionist kick of the legend of Drizzt novels. Yes. <laughs> I know. It deserves Iconic. a chuckle. <laughs> Wait, we also need to spell Drizzt. Is that with two Zs or three Zs? Just two. Just two, okay. Just two is all you need. That's three all you need. is too much. Yes. <laughs> Drizzt. <laughs> Which we should say, Drizzt is, a, is an iconic Dungeons & Dragons character. Legendary. Legendary. Legendary drow, dark elf, ranger. Um, so it is, the funny thing is, when I was a kid, like I was saying, mm-hmm. I was into Dragonlance. Right. And I liked those books. And I read a lot of those books. Um, and then my friend Todd, who was, who homebrewed our DM game or our D and D game, mm-hmm. um, was always trying to get me to read this, this book by this guy, R.A. Salvatore, yeah. or Salvatore, how we pronounce it. Mm-hmm. And he was like, yeah, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta learn about Driss. Like whatever, boring. It's not Dragonlance. I don't care. <laughs> and then years later, actually the top of the pandemic, 
Um, I, I was a big Agatha Christie nerd, finished, I think I'd read every last Poirot novel there was. Wow. I was like, oh, I guess I got to do something else. And I got the Dragonlance original trilogy and I read through those. I'm like, that's great. Mm-hmm. And then just a recommendation popped up in my feed for Drist. Mm-hmm. And so I said, okay, I'll, I'll do it. I'll dive in. And I've literally, I've not read another <laughs> <laughs> book. Since I've started, I it's been back to back. I've been I started at the very beginning, the, mm-hmm. before the original book with Drist, where he debuted, was called the Crystal Shard. Okay, and um, there's no backstory to him. He's just a character. He just pops up, and he wasn't even supposed to be the main character. He's just a dude, and he's kind of more of a mysterious. He's kind of the snake eyes of the group. Sure, right? yeah. And um, but he he became so wildly popular that. Um, and that was actually, it was Ari Salvatore's first book. He'd never written a novel before and D&D took a chance on him and it changed his whole life. That's awesome. So anyway, he went back and started with Drizzt's whole story from, um, you know, being literally being born in the underdark and oh Menzo Baranzan <laughs> and all of that stuff. And, you know, the whole, this, I don't know how much you know about this. Only, lore. only the very basic so, okay. So in, in, for all you folks out there who, who want to learn about D&D which lore, is everybody. which is everybody, yes. uh, uh, the Minzo Baranzan is this underworld city that's filled with drow, these dark elves, mm-hmm. who in this specific place, they are all sworn to this demon goddess, Lolf. The spider, the spider god, yeah. yeah. It's the, the goddess of chaos and... Um, it's a matriarchal society Mm -hmm. and it's brutal. Uh, the women, like the men are, uh, they're all sub servants. They're just there to serve. Gotcha. And, um, the women hold all the power. They are incredibly powerful. Um, and so Drizzt grows up as this kind of special kid who, who, for whatever reason, no matter how much they try to beat into him, the the tenets of Lolth, mm-hmm. it just doesn't take and it doesn't it's not who he is and sure. so he wants nothing more than to escape and he eventually does mm-hmm. and he goes to the surface world and lives his life as a legendary hero and it goes on and on and on and <laughs> on i mean I, I i i don't mean 30 books in more Whoa. i mean i think they're closer to 40 published oh my god are you caught up I think I'm I th- I'm within spitting distance. I think I'm like four books oh. out. And there's a new one coming out. So they've just continued to come out. Oh, yeah. Wow. It's been his life. And he's written other novels. Is it all R.A. Salvatore? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Yeah. I didn't even realize so that. So he is one of the architects of the Forgotten Realms. I mean, wow. Ed Greenwood is kind of the architect he invented. He sold the Forgotten Realms to D&D for $5,000 back oh. in the day. Um, yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah. I had no idea. I know. And, and never looked back. Um, but, uh, but yeah, this, it's a huge, huge part of the story of that lore. And he's made a whole career out of it. Good for him. That's and, awesome. Yeah. If it, it, so if somebody were to jump in to the world of Drizzt, yeah. Would it be recommended <laughs> to start at the first book or is this like a disc world type thing where you can kind of jump in at different points or, or, mm. or from the crystal shard, the very first, you could start with the crystal shard. You could start there and just be like, Oh, that's a fun fantasy book. And mm. you, if it's not your thing, then you don't have to go any further and you don't need to know anything else. Sure. But if you want to go in for the long haul and learn all about this weird dude, then I would, I, I'd go chronological. Yeah. Yeah. How long are each book generally? Um, I'm pretty average, you know, 
I, I read them all on my phone, so I don't have a great idea of sure. how long they actually are. Because, you know, your phone, it'll say like 10,000 pages left. <laughs> you're like, oh my God, what? <laughs> yeah, but you know, your page is the size of your phone. So, right. Um, I don't know. Interesting. R- regular book size. Sure. Like they're not, they're not like Stephen King, Harry Potter tomes. Right. Not like Sanderson yeah. level of yeah. fantasy. That's yeah. good to know because with fantasy... That is a risk, is that some books are just really, really long. Wheel of Time. or yes. Yeah, you're not in, in for a, a, a George R.R. R. Martin yeah. kind of experience. Yeah, yeah. But in terms of length, like, you, yeah, if you want to read the same material for years. I mean, I literally have been reading nothing else for years. It's it's embarrassing at this point. I'm embarrassed. So you said this is a pandemic thing? Yeah. 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 I'm Three still, years. I'm still here. Still <laughs> hey, here. It got you through the pandemic, which we all really? have our own things. Like literally everybody, everybody found something to oh, cope. Man. Truly. It was comforting. Like I'm going to go to bed tonight and read about what some elves are doing. And it felt really, it really did. Are you, me. are you excited to eventually at some point soon maybe get out of the world of of fantasy um or or maybe just elves maybe just elves there's just elves there's lots of fantasy elements that you could dive into like you i like there's so many things that have dropped off yeah um i haven't read like there i went through a a number of years where i only read comics and (laughs) i had my marvel universe uh unlimited marvel unlimited app and then i had the dc universe app and God, I've read so many amazing books. I had so both of those people. last year. Yeah. And I just I just recently let the let the subscription go. Yeah. You gotta take a break I after a while. And it's also like, you know, the only it's it's a I actually enjoy the tablet um as a way to consume comics because I I don't have room in my life to collect them anymore. Yes. So it's a great way to do it. It's also if you're reading it before bed, this really bright light that you're that's going to make your, you know, your spouse, your partner probably unhappy mm. and yourself because you can't sleep because you're living <laughs> this LED thing. So it's from a practical standpoint, it's, it can be weird, but I do miss comics. I don't even know. I know. Actually, I do know. I do know what's next. <laughs> After I'm done, it's going to be Kill Collins by Colby McHugh. And um, yes, I'm looking forward to entering into different <laughs> universes. It is exciting. And, and thank you. I, I appreciate that. Truly no rush to, to get to the book because there's so many things out there to check out. Um, and, and we mentioned before we even started recording, like trading comics and like sharing comics with people who like them is the best feeling in the world. Totally. So we'll, after we finish up recording... I'll see if there's anything on my shelf that you okay. want to just take. So we can kind of maybe kickstart that. It's Christmas in October. Exactly. October is my December. Yeah. I think in this world. Great. So definitely check out the Drizzt books. You've got a couple different places to check in, whether you want to start with just the first appearance or the first book. Yeah. Um, and I think it's good to, to know that if you enjoy it, there's a lot of stuff there. Oh my god! Like a, ne- a nearly endless amount. Nearly endless. It feels endless. <laughs> but there is a, a, a level of comfort that comes with that as well. I loved every one. I mean, I, I will go. say this for for Salvatore: like, incredibly consistent. There was a moment where he like started to fall in love a little too much with some of his descriptors. Of sure. like, okay, wow, no, 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 no. And and he's very he's famous for for. Uh, how descriptive his fight scenes are. Ooh, I mean, they they are like a battle will a duel or whatever will go on for pages and pages and he will just every repost every like literally it's just it goes you know like bro come on <laughs> like i love action but like let's let's move for something let's move this along um but uh consistency wise it's pretty remarkable for someone to keep that up 
like similar like to One Piece, Piece yeah, for, for sustain it for since the '80s or the '90s yeah. and keep it good. That's remarkable. Yeah, I think that's interesting that we both kind of gravitated towards something like that for these for these recommendations. Where we're, I think we're just impressed by like people being good at what they do for a long period of time. I mean, in, in, in music, I feel like that's rare. Yeah. There's, there are very few artists who can pull that off and stay relevant and sound cool it's so for a rare. long period of time. Um, maybe maybe it's easier. I don't know. And like in, in writing, I don't know. I mean... Um, I feel like writing is one of those things where it's like you can continually just get better as you grow older. With music, like singing, I, I would assume... Like as you get older, maybe your voice doesn't have the same well, that's like for sure range true. that it did. But with yeah. writing, like you could just get better all the time by doing it. I'm guessing. I'm not. I don't know what I'm doing. But the writing <laughs> part of it too, like in music, like you know, there are bands true. who like you just don't, you know, Sting. Yeah. I love the Police. I love the Police. <laughs> and there's and there's like the first couple of Sting, Sting solo records. I love those. Totally. Dream of the Blue Turtles and Nothing Like the Sun. Uh, even the Soul Cages. Like I'm I'm down for that. Past that point, it's like, dude, you just don't have anything to say yeah, anymore. Who's listening to modern Sting songs? Some people love it, though. Interesting. And, and you know, bless their hearts. Yes. <laughs> bless their hearts for anybody who's not in the South like us. <laughs> bless their hearts. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, no, I mean, I, I don't I don't hold that against them. But for me, like, he doesn't he doesn't have that edge anymore. Yeah. You two, the same way. It's like, oh, guys, come on. Funny that you said it doesn't have the edge anymore because you two does actually have they the do. edge. You're, that's a good point. But you know who they don't have? Larry Mullen. He's not there anymore? Nope. Did he die? No. Oh, is he just no. not there anymore? <laughs> no. Well, they they did. They planned, like, they announced this a while ago where they were doing this big, like, Las Vegas uh, kind of sit down. Residency type thing? Yeah. Oh. And it was, like, in honor of uh, one of their records anniversaries. It was a big deal. But Larry Mullen wasn't doing it because he, he was like, I can't. I physically can't do it anymore. He's the drummer, right? Yeah. I mean, that I imagine... I, I wrote a whole book about Phil Collins. Yeah. Like he, his, he's his not doing great broken. right now at all. Oh, like, his body's so messed up. Yeah. yeah. And so I can, I I hope for the best for you. Well, <laughs> for, I haven't. For your body. I haven't been drumming professionally for a long time. So True. I, it's, I do, I still sit down for a living, which is not good. But um, yes, I, here's hoping that I'm not uh, at Phil's age and I have to sit on a stool because I can't move around. I know. I don't That's think sad. It is sad and it makes me feel feel bad for him, but genuinely in in writing a book about him, I, I became such a big fan. Like oh in the process, like He's such an incredible I listened drummer. to so much of his music, got so into his drumming, got really into Genesis. Oh yeah. But I didn't even know a lot of his stuff early on. I I don't know the um <clears throat> the the uh, Peter Gabriel years that well. It's pretty weird. It's for, super weird. Yeah. And I I do I, you know I like some weird artsy stuff, but it's, I don't, I'm not a huge prog rock person. Um, definitely a pop rock person. So that's those, Phil's sweet spot. Yeah. Invisible. It's like 80s new waves pop stuff. Oh man. So great. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's really amazing. And his drumming is so good. He was I, so good. That I should have, I, I should have known. I didn't even think about it that you are a drummer. I wrote a whole book about a drummer and I would be curious about your thoughts on him wait. as a drummer. I can't wait. So yeah, let me know. Yeah. Um, when you get around to it. Yeah. No rush. Does he know? Does he know about this book? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> Why? I don't know. I feel like he'd be scared. I feel like he would love it. Maybe. I don't know. I'm also scared that he might like try to sue me or something. No. I don't think so though. No. Who would? You Why? Know? It's, a, it's a very complimentary book. About yeah. Him. And I, and I won't spoil anything that happens. I mean, <laughs> like we, you know, Ghost did, I mean, they're not a death metal band. True. But Tobias Forge 
does have deep roots in death metal yes. and loves some death metal. And his band did do a Genesis cover, which you have not yet heard. And when I leave here, you better like turn it up to 11. I will I be get, listening. It's such a good, that whole, they put it on an EP that came out this year. Cool. And oh man, there's so many good covers. They did an Iron Maiden song. and Oh, it's an EP of covers? Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. Oh man, they did a Tina Turner song. Ooh. Uh, oh man, it's so good. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. I, you, you, the listener, and me both uh, in this whole episode have learned so much. <laughs> Thank you for being here. And I think the, the last thing we do is just what, where can we find you? What plugs do you have? Is there yeah, yeah. things that you, that we can support you Oh yeah, in certain ways. Yes, absolutely. Um, thank you for first of all, just thanks for asking me to come down here. Of course, dude. Um, and this has been super duper fun. Um, yeah, uh, of course. Uh, as mentioned before, Bivens Brothers Creative. Mm-hmm. If you have um, digital needs, websites, apps, etc., and you need someone to help you with that, you can find us at BivensBrothers.com. Real quick, I do want to say your guys' website is awesome. Oh, thanks. Like I went through it a few weeks ago, just you know doing my typical research that I do for this podcast. Yeah. And I, I was like, this is, obviously it's your guy's job yeah. to make good websites. <laughs> well, we try. But it's a top notch. Thanks. Design. Thank you. So I will throw that out there for the listener. We, 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 we have, you know, we, we very much feel like, uh, if you have a strong opinion, be like, just put it out there and that you're going to draw the clients to you who you want to the people you want to work with. Yeah. And so we're just trying to be very boldly who we are. But thank you for saying that. Of course. Um, and like you mentioned before, kind of the creative arm of everything that we do is called the pocket dimension. Um, you can find us on YouTube mm-hmm. at enter the pocket dimension. And we do a live show every Friday. Uh, there's four of us. So that we're not always there at the same time, but Currently, we're, we've been getting really nerdy about this amazing new uh, TTRPG coming out called DC20. Yeah. Um, it's it's basically all of the frustrations you've ever had with D&D 5e. Um, this solves them all. For the I can't wait to learn more about it's this really, specific game and it's mechanics cool. and stuff. It's yeah. really cool. It's so thoughtful. It's just so thoughtful. And... All of the, well, we don't need to get into it. Of course. It's cool. So uh, yeah, you can find us at Enter the Pocket Dimension. We have a Patreon, Mm -hmm. uh, Enter the Pocket Dimension, if you uh, like what you see and you want to join in. The cool thing about the Patreon is that we also uh, host a monthly one-shot for our patrons. So um, if you give at a certain level, um, you can get chosen to come and just play together. And that's that's really the thing that we're the most focused on is just having fun together. Uh, We've got a Discord. Um, I'm so a part many, of the Discord, you were, and I, it's the only Discord I've ever been a part of, and it feels great. It's just good people. Yeah. Just it's it, it feel it makes me it brings me back to the early days of the internet when just hanging out in a chat room, message with, boards, yeah, all that fun. stuff, yeah, and people being it's like a nice wholesome space. Nobody's a jerk. Nobody's you know. So um, yeah, that's what we're doing. And then of course the adventures of Button Herb upcoming. Uh, I'll let you know, of course, yes. as soon as that drops. Of course. Yeah. I'll put all of these links in our show notes. So to the pocket dimension, to the Patreon, to to the website, the Bivens Brothers website, all the stuff. So so it's easily accessible. Thank you. So check it out. Uh, and and definitely join the Patreon as well because I've had the the lucky chance to play a couple of games in various ways with you guys, with Tay, with AK. And you guys are just so fun to hang out with, fun to play games with. Yeah. And that's like the the sweet spot is <clears throat> being able to be friends with people. Uh, virtually or otherwise or in person we're, we're recording in person but 
you know, your brother lives in Chicago. AK lives in Charlotte. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you guys are kind of all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even know Fitz is in New York. Yeah. Great. Um, And and being able to kind of pull all that together is so fun. and, And I hope everybody listening goes and checks you guys out. Join the Discord at the very least. I like, know it's free. There's, there's, I, I, I felt so welcomed for me personally because I hadn't really had like an internet community. Yeah. I was always kind of scared of the internet, sure, and like reaching out to people it's and like scary talking. Place. It is a scary place. Yeah, but joining that Discord and, and getting to kind of just like poke around in the various channels, like me and you talk a lot in the the comics centric yeah. channel, um, marvelous, and so mm-hmm. you know we get to just find the stuff that we like. Yeah. And talk to people that like the same stuff. Yeah. And it's such a, a sweet community and I can't recommend it enough. So definitely that link will be in the show notes as well. Oh, thank you. Of course. Yeah. Any final thoughts on unlocking the secret of creativity and storytelling <laughs> here on this podcast? Gosh. Uh, I you think can I've, say no. <laughs> no, I think I've already actually, I think I've already said it, yeah. which is work with people who are better than you. And Find that version of the Magic Eye poster where you just let your brain relax to the point where things start to come out. And then when they do, here, okay, here's a piece of real advice. Yes. Sincere advice. Yes. Let your creative voice speak first and your critical voice speak second. Oh my God. And I love that. learn how to find balance between them because you need your critical voice mm-hmm. to refine your creative voice. But if you let that be the stronger voice up front, you will never get anything done. That is so well said. I can't even add anything to that. Okay. <laughs> that is, it's, it's so good. You're, you're, you're letting your creative voice speak first and then letting your critical voice follow up. Yeah. Like, I think it's so smart. And, and it makes sense. Like It's not one of those pieces of advice where it's just like, you just got to write. Right. You know, it's like, there is that's that's true but a little simplistic there's something there yeah so i appreciate that thank you we've unlocked the secret okay great we've done it how do we let's sell it let's sell it to make a million dollars i love capitalism <laughs> <laughs> either way yeah. thank you so much evan for joining me oh, for this long conversation this was longer than i even expected because oh, we no. just got to talk I, about fun stuff i'm sorry i go on and on and on never apologize okay <laughs> This is again. This is that's the Colby thing. We don't do we don't do Colby things on this podcast. Okay, which okay. is apologize and make excuses for ourselves. Okay, we won't do it. It's banned. <laughs> so thank you for for joining. And and you're an Atlanta guy, so yeah. I'm sure we'll just be talking more. We'll hang out more in, at some point. And I would love that. Hopefully, do some creative stuff together. Too. I would love that. As uh, our our I guess closing tagline, we should give credit that I always say uh, to Seth McKay for coming up with with the closing line of "Stay toasty out there." <laughs> Amazing. So stay toasty out there and thanks for listening. Bye.